This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Hello and welcome back to Flyperbole, a podcast where my my house was actually hit by Bryce Harper's monster bomb of a home run earlier this evening. But beyond that, you know, we all know that sports are bad. No, my house wasn't hit by it, but it was a bomb of a home run. It was great. But I did, yeah. Heard it hit a dinger. It was pretty far. It was. Uh, it was a good upper deck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I mean, I don't think I've seen a bomb like that since Ryan Howard was in town. But beyond that, beyond that news, like sports, they're real bad, Craig. They're real bad. Yeah, it's not it's not good at all. I mean, we're watching the Islanders right now. They're pushing uh, Game Seven, maybe. Uh, Celtics so. are still in it. I mean, so I don't think so either. But you know, they're they're still here, and that's like that's like the Islanders tagline is they're they're hanging around, and it, they get real annoying when they hang around. So I'm kind of nervous about that. But uh, they're like that that counting yeah, I song that nobody remembers. Yep, round here. Is that the one you're talking no, about? No, I'm not What's talking about round here. Know. I think there's one that's like literally <laughs> I've been hanging around. Oh yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not a big Counting Crows fan. I know you are. I, I like, don't. You always start off most of the podcast talking about them, but like I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they. I don't know if there are a lot of crow heads out there, but <laughs> 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 counters actually. That's what they call them. Counters. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah. That's uh, I like the, a lot of crow heads. That's a good one. What's the lead singer's name? The uh, guy with the uh, Adam something or other. Adam Lambert. There you go. Adam Duritz. Duritz. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know as much about Countercrows. You just never. I mean, uh, you, you know, I'm the, the leader of the Crowheads. You're yeah. just. Yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah. That's who you are. That's just Stephen Jacket. So <laughs> it's understandable. But uh, I mean, and speaking of musical opinions, Steve, I believe uh, you wanted to have. You wanted to open the show with this. Oh, yeah. You sent well, to me earlier this week. And you said all these opinions are good. Well, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I contested a couple. You apparently did, but yeah. Uh, Eddie Lack. Eddie Lack. He's not in the NHL anymore, right? <laughs> no, I don't think former so. I Vancouver, think playing the, yeah. Former Vancouver Canucks backup goalie, Eddie Lack. He, he might have come out. Backup, too, and some other places. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Yeah. He, he might have come out and had a proper opinion in favor of car or of uh of our boy card Hart uh earlier this postseason and i know uh, roberto luongo was a little offended by you know saying hey you saw me in goal well, yeah, carter hart's not the best you've seen in a while but eddie lack went on twitter and said sorry not sorry to the masses and put out three opinions and they they were so opinions all right oh the they're first definitely one opinions. is and this all is an intersection of flyperbole right here, which is really why I wanted to bring this up, because this is prime primo flyperbole tent right here. Tangy tent for the cast here. The first one. Hashtag two, two. Nickelback is still a great band. Wow. That's <laughs> I think Eddie Lack's been hanging out with too many Canadians right now. <laughs> <laughs> and also, please, let's do some Twitter stats here uh, inside, you know. Hashtag advanced stats, hashtag fancy stats. Uh, that, that tweet, the quote unpopular opinion, 
colon, Nickelback is still a great band, end quote. Uh, 244 replies, 397 retweets. So he didn't get, he didn't get ratioed, but it, not great. You know, it, the replies should never be near the amount of retweets. So, and again, Steve, I said right before the show, I, I said maybe that opinion isn't that bad. I thought it was originally Nickelback isn't as bad as like people don't call them for, but I, I can't go great. They're not a great band. No, I'm sorry, Chad. Like, I know you're listening. To say they're still a great band is a really insane opinion. <laughs> that's a real reach. Yeah, <laughs> that's to insinuate they were ever a great band. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, that insinuates that during their heyday, when everybody was like, "This is crap," and you were like, "No, they're top band out there. Good shit. I like what they're doing." Yeah. So that's not. I will. I can chalk that one up though. Band. I can chalk that up to a combination of mediocre musical taste i mean if you've heard the music at most nhl arenas it, it, we usually dunk on the flyers choice of music where it's a lot of like hit fight that kind of stuff so <laughs> yeah, exactly. compared to that nickelback is you know mozart but and it, yeah. they're a canadian band and hockey is mostly canadians so okay fine i can chalk it up to that that one i can explain away these get we can get yeah that one's fine these get worse and worse though unpopular opinion too Pineapple on pizza is so good. Hawaiian has been around forever, but recently it's a sin to like it on pizza. What's the deal with that? I threw in the Seinfeld at the end there. Exclamation point, by the way. He ended that with an emphasis. He was re- he was really pumped about the Hawaiian pizza stance. Uh, fancy stats on that one. Uh, 249 replies, 138 retweets. So the, the people don't like this uh, stance. Uh, Steve, where do you stand on Hawaiian pizza? Ugh. I think is a big question. I, I can. I'm all about ham. Ham can be very good on pizza. Pineapple. I like going ham too. Yeah. Pineapple belongs nowhere near a pizza. Okay. I, I I'm indifferent to a Hawaiian pizza. I mean, I get it. I'm not going for it, but I don't hate it as much as everybody else. Uh, I used to work at Papa John's. I tried every assortment of fucking pizza toppings together. Hawaiian's not bad. IML. Just just saying it. I I, I got to kind of side with Eddie Lacker. I'm not a fan of it. I don't know if it's. One, two. I don't know if it's four so's good, like O's and so good, but uh, I will go with it's fine. That's uh, so I'm gonna partially defend Eddie Lack slash not bury him as I mean the last opinion he, he needs to log off Twitter forever. Like that's the one we're gonna drag him for. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I can't, are we able to still keep doing the perbs? If I like, I don't like Hawaiian pizza. I'm just saying, I, I don't. I think he's right. A lot of people are getting crucified. I don't think that's justified. I, I just don't. It's 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 food shaming. You can eat whatever you like. I mean, it's a free. It's it's twenty twenty. You can do whatever you want now. So whatever makes you happy. If if Hawaiian pizza makes you happy right now, then then so be it. And you put as much terrible toppings as you want. I on can't. Pizza. I cannot support pineapple on a pizza. I only like pineapple uh-huh. in an alcoholic beverage. That's that's it. That's the only place that can support pineapple. All right, that's fine. It's. I mean, again. You might be on the wrong side of history because uh, Hawaiian pizza has been here for a while, and a lot of people have been resi- like resisting, you know, the acceptance into the pizza kingdom. But I think uh, I think we're gonna get there one day as a society. So uh, again, not for me, but people enjoy Hawaiian style pizza. I don't really care. Uh, that's my. Uh, but I mean, if the I last was, one's. Bad. If I was in the office and I was putting together a pizza order for the office, and somebody said, "What about Hawaiian pie?" I'd say, "Get out." Oh, okay. That yes. Correct. I'm talking about in the comfort of your own home. Listen, you, you enjoy whatever yourself. pizza and you, you don't want tell at home. Anybody. But yeah. I, 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 don't give me don't any imp- part of that don't... pineapple pie. No, thank you. No, I get it. Good day, yeah, sir. Don't push it on anyone. 
Don't push your pizza agenda on everybody else. Jesus. I agree with that. Just, we are in the same boat with that. Yeah, like we don't. I get that. And like again, like you know, if you like really weird stuff on pizza, don't fucking throw it out there. So like, I I would say that is yes. If you like Hawaiian pizza, Hawaiian style pizza, don't don't let other people know about it. That's where I'll stand with that. Like, so Eddie Lack was wrong to tweet about it, but um. Okay, so yeah. unpopular opinion number three, Trace over here, ketchup on pasta. Okay, I'll see myself out. Yes, you will see yourself he out. He knows it's bad. What yeah. Does, what does that mean? What does that mean? Who knows? Like, I've never heard know. of we such should've... a thing. This is, this just blew my mind. Ketchup on pasta. And, like, as a replacement for for spaghetti sauce? For pasta sauce? Like, I, I, I don't always, understand. You know, I was thinking about that. I had stuffed shells last night, and I was like, you know what? I No, I, I do not need ketchup on that. Like, Edward. Uh, I so I will not be partaking in that on yeah. a goddamn steak before I'll accept ketchup on pasta because at least okay, I can. Let's not. Uh, believe me, I don't support that. But at least I can understand okay. somebody's justification, and okay. it's usually somebody who's eating a charred piece of shit steak that wants to do that. But pasta, I just I, I don't understand how this came about. Like, did he grow up eating this, and people were were just like, excuse me. Like, I, I've never heard of such a thing. Have you ever heard of this? What's the deal with I, this? No, I, I have not. I mean, I'm chalking it up to either it's a Swedish thing or it's a goalie thing. I will have to get... Somebody's got the way in from Sweden. I assume we have one or two listeners over there. But, like, I... Ketchup and pasta... No, and, by the way, Fancy Stats definitely do not support this one. Uh, 172 retweets, 441 replies. So the people gave it to Ed. And uh, I'm going to be honest, he deserved it because that was a horseshit opinion. And uh, I, I really, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what works well with ketchup and pasta. I like, I don't know what pasta he's imagining. So not a good <laughs> like, one. I'm just imagining a cooking show. It's like, all right, I cooked up a whole mess of angel hair pasta here. I made some fresh meatballs and <laughs> bam, what I got here, ketchup, the secret ingredient. Just a bunch of Heinz ketchup. Like, is it a Pittsburgh ingredient? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can see Pittsburgh going out there like, oh, mustard and ketchup on pasta. We'll throw some mayo in there, too. The whole Heinz trio. I got ravioli and a little bit of sausage here. You know go really well with that? About 16 packets of Heinz, baby. Just the, the, throw the whole mess on there, and it'll all just go just, together. Let's well. just throw that's some relish you, on there while we're at it. Let's just let's just put every, every ingredient <laughs> in the fridge on there. Eddie Lack, what are you thinking? Okay, uh, we'll I mean, talk about a, weird stuff it, on weird food. My, mind you, this is the man, Craig Forsyth, the man that has come out publicly on this podcast and complained about getting too much marinara on his pasta before. So Craig, oh yeah, Craig has strong pasta opinions, so he knows. I always say Craig I, Forsyth yeah, and, knows pasta. <laughs> that, and I'm glad you tell people that. That is the main thing I want people to learn about this podcast. But also, yeah, I, again... And people are still doing it. I, I don't know why. Anywhere I go, they're like, hey, did you want 16 gallons of marinara? No, I didn't. I'm having five pieces of ravioli. Thank you. But again, I never thought, you know what they should replace this marinara with? Some 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 catsup. Some ketchup right now. Just throw that all now, right there. And that'll, that'll do the trick. It's a terrible stance. Uh, Eddie knows that. That might be why he's not on an NHL team. Maybe it's bad you know, locker room chemistry. And he's been throwing out these opinions and it's pissing people off. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, but... I, I'm not doing ketchup on pasta. That's the last thing I'll do. Good day, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Good day. What? Okay, so what about speaking of relish? Hun, uh, 
spicy brown mustard and relish on a hot dog. I'm all about spicy brown mustard. I I love spicy brown mustard. No use in anything. I'm not a big relish guy, but I support it. I'm not. I, again, it's not I, for yeah, me. I don't really care about relish. I, I support. I think that's the only it. situation though is the hot dog that has another topic that just would completely cancel it out. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I've never been. Let's like, just do a Chicago style. On this hot dog. Pile eight pounds of shit on there and call it a day. Yeah, I was going to say, what's up? They just butcher a pizza and call it Chicago Deep Dish. Is that what it is? They just make a lasagna and then they're like, all right, we got pizza here. This is, uh, let's go to town. That's what this Listen, is. Listen, whatever you call that pizza lasagna, I love it. I could eat exactly one slice good, and yeah. <laughs> take a food coma for the rest of the night. But it, yeah, the, honest, the hot dogs, yeah. it's it's a bit much for me. It's a bit much. There's just so much going on. and it's. I never the, understood the that. Is, like the, the bun, the hot dog bun is such a small container that... It really doesn't lend itself to piling on ingredients. Yeah, it's not a thing. Like when I'm in a hot dog, I'm not. I, I don't look for the the fork and knife afterwards to clean up the rest of it. Like if it doesn't stay on the bun, I'm not. Uh, like we're just wasting food here. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just not. It's, it's not a burrito. So I agree with that. Exactly. Thank you. That's been my stance for a while now, and I'm glad somebody else said it. So at least a burrito. Yeah, I mean, just is an attempt at being a proper container for a shit ton of food. <laughs> oh yeah and you can pile in as much as you want like chipotle i mean it doesn't matter how many ingredients you get they'll pile it in there and it usually holds pretty well but hot dog bun can't do it uh it's no i mean and i want to in this economy you know you're trying to budget and get as much you're trying to get your biggest bag for the buck but it just doesn't work with a hot dog so that's uh you know hopefully someday in the future in a brighter america we can we can succeed in finding that hot dog steve but right now i don't know it's troubling times and uh, we got to focus on Eddie Lack opinion. I would. I, I just want to thank and, uh, Eddie Lack actually for coming out and giving yeah, us this, you, this taggy yeah. tent to start the show. It's, he's done a favor to us all. He's done a service to us all at this point. <laughs> it's a unifying point. Yeah, yeah, we're all just uniting. I think there's on his opinion. There's really yeah. two things we can agree on. Eddie Lack's opinions here are terrible, and <laughs> we're all excited that NAK has re-signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. There he is. Yeah. NAKGB is uh, pretty pumped about it, uh, out full force, and uh, I, Steve, I'm going to admit it, I'm happy he's back. I know we're, you're, you're sweating a big time, you're texting me every day, they're like, did he sign? Are they going to get did. this motherfucker so locked back. up? Is Ave Kubel <laughs> going to be back? I am going to be pissed. NAKGB was going to be out in droves in the streets, pitchforks, torches, <laughs> the whole nine yards. Yeah, but uh, Chuck Fletcher did hashtag lock him up. Uh, got him for two more years, one point zero seven five million a year. Will be an RFA in twenty twenty two. Life is good. Uh, he's been a, he was a great bottom six forward this year. He's going to continue to be a bottom six forward that kills it. Uh, does something noticeable or has a tangible effect on every single shift he's out there? If he's blocking a shot, putting a hit on somebody, producing a scoring chance, or uh, just creating havoc in front, the guy does it all. And uh, there's really nothing to not like about his game. And I felt like he was the one player that both eye test and analytics, people that favor analytics, kind of agreed on uh, for most of the year in terms of, uh, yeah, he's just a a bottom six player that gets results. Like it's that, it's the meme from Predator of uh, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger locking, locking grips. And one of them is analytics crowd. One of them's the eye test crowd and, NAK, it's their agreement of NAK being, you know, a solid player. Pretty good. 
Yeah. No, that's 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 exactly right. That's that's what this is. Uh, and he uh, let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, Fifteen points in thirty six games, seven goals, eight assists, uh, averaging eleven seventeen of ice time. I did want to point out that seven goals were on 48 shots for a 14.6 shooting percentage. So uh, maybe he won't produce as efficiently next year. But again, I mean, he he was still doing pretty good this year, even with a high shooting percentage. Uh, three points in 13 postseason games. The, both goals he had came in the Lightning round robin game. Had one assist in the two playoff series. Also missed a huge chunk of time and I think was playing hurt through a, uh, a foot injury. Blocked a shot with the top of his foot. And then missed a couple games afterwards. Um, but again, like he, I, I like this game a lot. Uh, I'm glad they actually gave him a chance. He came up for a little bit in 2018, 19 with Hackstall, and of course got the Hackstall trial for a younger player. Played like, I don't know, nine games, averaged seven to eight minutes, didn't really get a look. Uh, and even then he was noticeable on the ice. But this year, I feel like he just stepped up his game and, uh, I, I hope he's in the bottom six for a while, and I think he's a guy. I think he's a guy that can play anywhere from the second to the fourth line. Ideally, he's just on the third or fourth line now, and is able to chip in and produce and be a guy that can play on the fourth line and maybe get ten goals. So, uh, and the, everything we were talking about before about speed uh, in the bottom six and like offensive upside and just keeping the puck at the other end of the ice, uh, he is a guy that does that. So hopefully uh, the Flyers just fill up the rest of the bottom six guys like that. Um, with this signing, real quick, Steve, and then we'll talk about it again. Uh, $7,835,273 in cap space at the moment with 11 forwards signed, four defensemen signed, and one goalie under contract. Myers, Hegg, and Patrick are RFAs, so that will help the cap get a little bit, but still those three need to be signed as well as an actual forward that not to say Patrick's not going to play, but I, I don't want to say 12 forwards locked up and Patrick is one of those 12 because you may be looking at going to the season shorthanded again. So, uh, yeah, uh, Chuck, two trades. Going to have to make a couple trades. Going to have to make two trades or more. Uh, this summer probably to clear up a little bit of cap space and uh, get under the cap limit for next year. So, uh, Steve, how do you, how we feel? We, uh, we're big fans of NAK. We like what he does. Yeah, he's, uh, I, I think he's a pretty good player. He's that that Swiss Army knife that you really want in the bottom six there, yeah. and that's that's all you want. A guy who, well, I, you know, I think he's a top line forward, and I hope you put this in the iTunes reviews for the the show. But no, <laughs> Nak him and Martin on the same line. Let's, I mean, come on. Now. I mean, that's just all, the forechecking power on that line is. Holy, it's God. on the Richter scale. Forecheck to death. You. The Mike Richter scale, of course, <laughs> which means that the goalie is uh, pretty good, but not going to be a Hall of Famer. But uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> no, I, slam, I, Mike Richter. I, you know, Flower Town's Mike Richter had it coming because he never signed with the Flyers. He was a Ranger, scum Ranger. No, uh, a big fan of NAK. I think this is a, a solid signing, and cap space is going to be tight. So guys like this are very important to to get right. Yeah, uh, I you, you brought up a good point there, the forechecking. Like, I think he was somebody that benefited from playing in. Him and Pitlick were two guys that felt very noticeable this season because of their work on the forecheck, and I think they were guys that maybe wouldn't have been as effective or done as much offensively in Hackstall system. Because, uh, I mean, AV system, you get rewarded. It's the dumb and chase, and you get rewarded for getting in deep. And NAK, I mean, he really did. Whenever he was the first guy in, I felt like he was either – putting a pretty good hit on the, the the puck guy or the guy carrying the puck out or just kind of help 
in support on a turnover. And uh, he, all three zones, he played pretty well in, it felt like, too. And again, I mean, 15 points in 36 games, almost half a point per game player for a guy that was only playing a little over 11 minutes. Uh, I'll take that, and hopefully uh, they figure out the rest of the uh, the cap situation. Again, Pitlick is really the one forward that the Flyers can re-sign, or I hope they're looking at re-signing, because uh, Thompson and Grant are UFAs, but no thank you. Uh, I think Pitlick is the type of player I want, and I hope that they fill out the bottom six with. So maybe not Pitlick, but another, you know, Winger that has speed and is able to get on the forecheck and can maybe chip in around 10 goals next year. That's what I'm looking forward to in the in the offseason. So, uh, speed kills. Coming down a mountain. Yeah. speed. That's right. That's, again, that's what I always say. Craig Custance, uh put out uh, 22 players that can be moved this offseason, NHL trade board offseason. Um, and we talked about a couple of these names last week. I was just going to, I thought we could go look at all of them real quick. Again, a bunch of them are goalies, so we may not. Spend as much time talking about the goalies. Actually, let's just talk, touch on the goalies real quick because I don't think any of them are coming here. Uh, fourth on his list was Matt Murray. Again, I don't see the Penguins trading him to the Flyers. Also, also I, Murray. No thank you. Part. Yeah, yeah, no thank you at all. Frederick Anderson, another guy that's probably going to start somewhere. So don't see him coming here. Uh, he was fifth on Custis' big board. Mark Andre Fleury was eighth again. He's 35 years old, two more years at $7 million a year. That's way too much for a backup, and I think he is going to look to start somewhere. I mean... Darcy Kemper? If you're Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, come on. You got some familiarity I was going to say, I was thinking <laughs> about it. It's a one-for-one. One. It's <laughs> obvious. Yeah, it was... Uh, and, again, you kicked him out to keep Murray, so if you're trading Murray, uh, you know, I wouldn't... Uh, don't know. And also, if you're the Golden Knights, would you do a Robin Lane or Matt Murray combo? That'd be a... Uh, I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting. But. That sounds terrible. Uh, Darcy Kemper, 30. It does not sound good. I don't know. Laner's good. I like Laner. But. I like him, but I don't like him to be my starter throughout the entire season. I, I don't know. I really think... I think he's solid, but I, I just... I don't I don't want him as my starter. That's all. That's that's, that's my two he cents is, on the matter. Yeah, he is... I mean, he is a, one of those guys that's a bigger goalie, and he knows that he is a bigger goalie when he plays a little bit because he leans into his size, kind of like Ben Bishop, which uh, isn't really, I you know, maybe not the most encouraging thing to see when you're watching him, but he put up, he's been putting up good numbers. So, I mean, I can't outright knock it, I guess. But uh, what was the other? Uh, Darcy Kemper, 30 years old. He's got two more years at $4.5 He's a guy I don't think he... I mean, he worked into being the starter in Arizona. I don't think he would go back to being a, a backup, but he is a guy that I I would like to have a tandem with the Flyers, uh, with Hart. Uh, 16, 11, and 2, 9, 28 save percentage, 2.22 GAA, and two shutouts this season. Uh, and also, he got hurt early on in the season, and that was when the Coyotes kind of... The Coyotes were pushing a playoff spot, like a normal playoff spot when 2019-20 was a normal regular season. It looked like they were going to be one of the top teams in the West, and then they kind of, you know, pooped the sheets a little bit and fell out of the playoff picture, and it all pointed to, uh, people tried to chalk it up to after they added Taylor Hall, but uh, a little fun fact, and that was less fun to talk about, was I think Kemper got hurt like three days after they traded for Hall, and then the Coyotes' record after Kemper went down was also not great. So I think it was more of that, considering the Coyotes are a team that, you know, they play that annoying, boring, let's get eight shots to win one nothing the entire time. So, uh, And then James Reimer, who, Reimer, uh, 32-year-old, one more year at $3.4 million. 
914 save percentage in 22 games this year with three shutouts. I, again, for one year, I'd be fine, but I think Elliott would cost less than that. Uh, so I think all these guys are more expensive than Elliott would be, and I think they all want to be a starter somewhere. Um, I mean, maybe uh, Reimer would be uh, like a, a platoon guy, like a, a tandem guy, but everybody else. I, I think Matt Murray, honestly, I think he might be a change of scenery guy because – He's had some injuries and not the best two years here the last couple of years. And I think it was last year or two years ago his dad passed away too. So like that could be a thing he's battling through and then to have like a couple of shitty seasons on top of that. I think he might just be a guy that just wants to get the fuck away from Pittsburgh. And I mean, who really blames him? I but also just like get out of that whole situation overall. <laughs> it could be like it could be beneficial. Like they're kicking the tires on a trade to Edmonton. That's never helped anybody's career going to Edmonton, but it would be somewhere else besides this place. I think he's a change of scenery yeah, guy, like, but I, think I, don't, that's I don't want to trade assets for him, especially not... Oh, no. The Penguins... Because oh, fl- Flyers now. He's a two-time... Yeah. Well, even if I'm another GM, I mean, he he's a, a two-time uh, Stanley Cup winner, right? Or is it three-time? Ugh. Yeah, yeah, no, he, two. two I, I got a little bile at the back of my throat just saying, and I, I know, I know. But <laughs> he's a multiple Stanley Cup winner, and he was a pivotal piece for those runs, but at the same time, he hasn't looked that good, and there's just it's it's complete robbery if you give a first round pick for him, which is what I heard they're asking yeah. prices. And if anybody they, gives that to him, you're insane. If you're insane, Rutherford, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's not gonna happen. At least I hope not. But it's it is. I think if you can get him for a good price, it's worth a shot, especially if you're a team like the Oilers that does need to rebuild a goaltender. Yeah, or, I mean, honestly, Colorado. Like, Colorado is a team that I like Drew Bauer, and I think he can win them a cup, but we saw them run into goaltending issues in this postseason, and it cost them against the Stars. And Matt Murray wouldn't exactly solve all your goaltending issues, but I think Drew Bauer and Murray as a tandem, like, they both seem like the kind of guys that maybe don't, really deserve a number one so, like it would be a good year to, of competition for them to kind of duke it out for the number one spot and i think it would be a healthy competition for the Avs. and the Avs may just need one year of uh the you know lighting up in the crease and they win a cup so i don't know throwing that out there i really don't know how they feel about their goaltending or what all that is but yeah those are the goalies and uh i mean the other ones yeah flurry that the whole thing in vegas is going to be a situation between Flurry and Laner, uh, apparently there was a handshake deal Stabbed with Laner in the for back. five years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Peter DeBoer just taking it the flower. Uh, but Laner signed a five-year, five million dollar per season contract. Was apparently what the handshake deal was, but I think he even wrote that off or said that wasn't true. But they got to figure out. Uh, I mean, if I'm them, I think I lock up Laner. I mean, Laner is younger. Uh, I think he's. I think he's 29. Um, and he had he had a pretty good postseason. He had better regular season numbers. And again, he had a pretty good 2018-19 too. And uh, I, I think that's the thing with him is he bounced. I mean, he went from the Islanders to the Blackhawks to the Golden Knights, and he still put up pretty good numbers playing for three different kind of like three different teams. Uh, so actually, I don't know what his numbers were in Chicago, but I, I'm not going to fault any goalie for their numbers in Chicago because again, they don't play defense this year. Uh, forwards. Let's look at some forwards now, Steve. Stefan. Uh, we talked about Patrick Liney last week, but he is the number one player on Craig Custance's uh, trade board for this offseason out of the 22 players. Oh, wow. And again, Liney, 
28 goals uh, and 35 assists for uh, 63 points in 68 games. 82 game pace of 33 goals, and this would have been his. This was his fourth season in the NHL. Those four seasons: 36 goals, 44 goals, 30 goals, on pace for 33. One more year at 6.75 mil, and then he's an RFA. I mean, he is a guy that is all goals, but a lot of goals. And uh, I don't know. Again, I the thing that would scare me about him coming here. And we've talked a little bit about JVR being the same type of guy in terms of production. I think, like, I want to make I want to make this clear too. Like, I don't think of JVR and Line A in the same light because I saw some people talking about it on Twitter today, where they use the argument of like, well, people don't like JVR because he's streaky, and it's like, well, Line A is streaky too, but like, I mean, forty four goals is different than not nine, not twenty. Like, uh, I would, like, it would be well, more yeah, an extreme but... version of it. It would be an extreme version of. It. Is the best possible. He's two seasons removed from that, though, right? I, yeah, and I mean, this I, year... I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't have. I don't think he's worth the price, frankly. Oh, and I don't think he's going to be worth. Yeah, he had that forty-four goal season, but I just feel like that's his peak, his absolute peak, which is a great peak. Don't get me wrong, but I don't feel like he's Alex Ovechkin, where every year he's going to be just a beast scoring goals for you. I mean, that's possible. Uh, I think he, I don't know. I think if he moved to a different team, he might be putting up a ton of points. Uh, I don't know if he's the issue for why the Jets can't drive play at all. Like, they seem to have, I don't know if it's something with Paul Maurice's system or just, like, they happen to have a whole group of forwards that just produce, are very opportunistic, really, more than, I guess, necessarily drive play. But he might be a guy that just needs... Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him on a line with, like, Couturier. I really wonder what would happen if he had, like, Couturier or Hayes just doing all the dirty work and then just setting up, set him up to tee off for, like, one-timers to get wide open for wrist shots. Or, like, on the power play. Uh, I think that, I think there's some merit to that argument. But, again, I think, See, I think you're right. I like, guess the my price other is thing. Too much. I think the price is going to be too much. Yeah. Well, and so my other thing, and to back up the JVR argument a little bit, is, is Elaine Vigneault going to play him with oh, a Hayes or Couturier. Because well, if all he does is score goals and a coach like AV, Big Al, really values his two-way players and having uh, defensively responsible for the most part, and, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Voracek and connect me a little bit, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, having for the most part a defensively responsible top six, I don't know. It's just, I have those questions about acquiring a player of this caliber. He, it's a sexy name, right? And the 44 goals is a sexy number, but you're going to have to trade a lot, as we said previously, to get a player of this caliber. I, I also want to point out, you keep saying the 44 goals part, and that is the, the pick. He also, again, 36 goals, 30, and he would have been on pace for 33. And, like, it wasn't his fault they didn't play 82 games this year. They played, he played 68, 14 more games. He probably gets five goals, I would say. So, like, that would have been... It's four seasons of at least 30 goals. Uh, and Wayne Simmons was a huge difference maker here, and he never cracked 33. So, like, I think it would be... I, that's what I'm saying about the JVR argument. Is it's, but Wayne Simmons did other things. Wayne Simmons... Uh, on the Wayne Simmons play. was at the... at the Well, he, but I'm saying he, he fought guys, he hit guys. He was a heart and soul guy out there. Whereas line A, as you pointed out, literally just scores goals. So that's really where my questions come for how he'd be utilized in a, a, a Flyers lineup. 
I think you'd be using the top six. I don't think you'd trade for line eight and then have the coach be upset with them and put them in the bottom six or not play them. Like, I think, I don't know. If they're going to make the trade, he's going to play. Uh, I don't know how many. I mean, I, I don't know how many goals you would put up here. I would assume a lot, and I don't know what. I mean, maybe maybe Winnipeg is right, and they just don't see any point in having him anymore, and they just want to get rid of him. But I think, uh, I don't know. Like, it's a, I ultimately think the price would be too much for a guy that only scores goals, granted a lot of goals. But I don't, I, I, that's, I don't know. I don't see him being a guy that would get, like, scratched for not playing well. I mean, if it got to that point and he was here, then we, the Flyers already lost that trade and they realized, like, I don't know. Like, then it just becomes a horrible trade because they're going to give up a lot for it. Like, the, the Jets have to be looking at at least the usual trade bill out of, like, roster player, a high-end prospect, and a first or other, or, like, a fourth asset to go along with that. So, for a guy that literally just scores goals, no, I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I, I am kind of curious to see what it would be like here if he had more centers. But, I mean... Wheeler does a lot, too. So, I guess... I don't know. And Shifley's good, too. So, he does have those fours in Winnipeg. But uh, they, they got to invest. They, they're also looking. They got to get help on defense, too. Because they, they... They have to do more to help Pelliabuck out. Because they got they got caved in in terms of possession the whole entire year. So, I think they need more two-way forwards. And more defensemen that actually help limit shots again. So, I, I don't know. We'll see what they do. But I'm not... Uh, I'm looking at line A's stat lines right now, so I don't like the the goal numbers going down a little bit, but the I do like the assists really leaping up this year. I think that's a great sign. The fact that he came as close as he did to averaging a point per game this year is really a step in the right direction and a sign that he could be expanding his game. So I, I like that a lot in favor of acquiring line A. And as you pointed out, if he if he played a full 82, you know, probably would have been over the 30 goal mark, which is, is definitely nice. But again, you're talking about a guy that you're probably going to have to pay a bunch in a couple of years and you're going to have to pay a bunch to get. Uh, and also his time on ice has, uh, went up. Uh, he went 1755, 1629, 1714. And then this year he played, uh, he averaged 1925 a game. So, uh, that shows having more responsibility and being put out there more often. So that, that is uh, trending in the right direction. Are you looking at uh? Are you able to see the shots on goal every year? Are you looking at Hockey Reference? Actually, I, can do I am that. looking at yeah. Hockey Reference, and he had two hundred twenty-six shots this year. This year, uh, okay. so yeah, so he had two hundred four his rookie season, two forty-one, two forty-five, and then two twenty-six this year. Okay, so and I think and I just looked this up for because I was going to make the point with uh, Ailers, actually one of his teammates. Yeah, Drew led the team with one hundred ninety-seven shots on goal this year. Uh, and Voracek has had the most out of any flyer since 2015-16 with 253 to put those numbers into perspective. So the guy, the guy fucking shoots. Like 200, he's like 226 this year, and that was without those additional 14. Mm. Yeah, so I, it was kind of funny because I was looking at Ehlers stuff, and it was like uh, he was like Voracek and Drew had more shots on that per game than Ehlers in the last couple of years. And I was like, I wanted Ehlers because he's a shoot first guy and Philly fans buried Voracek for not shooting at times. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that, yeah, that uh, they're still ahead or like top of the league in terms of just shots on that. Uh, but line, I, you know, line is pretty good, but you know, no, no, thank you. I guess no thanks. Uh, too many goals is what I'm saying. 
Uh, next guy. <laughs> Chris Carter argument. All he does is catch touchdowns. Oh, yeah. That old... Yeah, yeah. that Chris Carter never turned out. We... Philly fans were right. Yeah, that, that guy never. Yeah. No, it was Buddy, uh, it was Buddy Ryan. I know. The was... press conference, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. But that, that was also that. I mean, that was also to kind of bail him out for like why he was actually trading him. But yeah, it's yeah. it's an infamous excuse because it <laughs> it does sound like on the surface like, oh, that's well, all he does. Okay, <laughs> okay, good argument, good stance. Yeah. Uh, another guy that I I don't think I don't see any way he would get traded to Philly just because he's in the division. Um, Kyle Palmieri. Somewhat a, a little surprising name that I don't think a lot of people would think of, perhaps, but 29-year-old right-handed winger, 26 overall pick in 2009 to the Ducks, had 45 points this season in 65 games, 25 of which were goals. He was on pace for 31 goals. Over the last five seasons, he has one 30-goal season and three 25-goal seasons, uh, and he also had a 24-goal season. So almost had five straight 25-goal seasons, uh, and he's had 11 power play goals or more in three of the last four seasons. Uh, one of 10 players since the start of 2015-16 to have 52 power play goals or more. Shout out to uh, arbitrary cutoffs. And then also he's one of four players with four or more seasons of 10 power play goals or more since 2015-16. Uh, Aveshkin has five of those seasons. Pasternak has four and Stamkos has four as well. So a guy that you don't really think about for power play uh, producing uh, goals on the power play, but He's a guy who's consistently done over the last few years. And uh, if you're worried about the Flyers' power play, maybe not the worst idea to add this guy into the mix. And also, he's been uh, producing goals in New Jersey, uh, a team that is void of skill and excitement for like the last half of the decade. Or, you know, the last couple decades. But mainly, they haven't had any good players on their roster the last few seasons. And I don't know if Paul Mary is a result of nobody else being there and somebody has to score. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a Ryan Dezingle type thing in Ottawa or if he is actually worth the time on ice and actually producing and yada, yada, yada. But I think he, he is a guy that can score. Uh, he's not a guy that's afraid to shoot. Uh, one more year at $4.65 million. Uh, Again, I don't see – I don't know. I don't know if he is worth giving up assets for one year of and then paying him more than that. The year afterwards, but I mean, under five million for a guy that's consistently putting up twenty-five goals—that's not a bad situation. Um, and he could be—I mean, you could have a top six of Konechny on the top line, Palmieri on the second line, um, and you, know, you have Lindblom, Hayes, Palmieri. That doesn't really sound like the worst second line. So that is—that's uh, a name I'm throwing out there. I one of the better goal scoring names. I mean, if he's not doing it on the Devils, the second best organization in the NHL, then who is he going to do it with? <laughs> the best organization in the NHL, the Philadelphia Flyers, maybe. <laughs> New York Rangers, thank you. The, be- the best in the NHL. Oh, absolutely. The be- I mean, they're just, all their fans, we'll talk about into top two picks, you know, that's best. Yeah, yeah, they're just absolutely, and it's just the fan base that deserves it, you know? They're just good, they're loyal locked fans. locked in. They're yeah, they're just, you know, they're not, you know they're there for this sport of hockey, so you gotta you gotta respect that. Uh, do you have any feelings on Kyle Palmer, Steve? Any Kyle Paul, Palmer? None. Okay. So Max Domi is the next name. Max Domi. Uh, he's number seven on Craig Custom's uh, big board. Twenty-five year old left-handed forward. Uh, Forty-four points this season in seventy-one games, seventeen of which were goals. All pays for nineteen goals over an eighty-two games uh, season. Fifth year in the league as a regular, he's had one good year of production, 28 goals and 72 points 
with 80 pins in 82 games in 2018-19. Only one 20-goal season and two seasons under 10 goals. He's an RFA this summer. Saw him in the Canadian series. Uh, he was playing on the fourth line at times. Uh, he is a guy. He It feels like a bounce-back uh, candidate. A guy that needs to go somewhere. Not, not necessarily a change of scenery, but maybe a guy that needs to prove that he can actually play in this league. And maybe produce a little bit more. And uh, I think he could do that here. I mean, I again, he is fast. Uh, I like that aspect of his game. And we're talking about him not producing in Arizona. And also the Canadians were famous for producing a ton of chances and not converting on those chances. Like we kind of saw in the Flyers series uh, in the first round. So I don't know. I don't want to say he would come here and the production would shoot up. But uh, I, I wouldn't be against adding Max Domi to the middle six. Uh, I kind of like that option, but I want to see what his price tag will be. I think it would be cheaper than Paul Mary and obviously cheaper than Lining or a guy like that. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't be against it. I don't know. I'm okay with Domi. I cannot and will not accept a Domi in a Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> uniform. <laughs> We're going with that. Okay. All right. I mean, we did. Uh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, cannot and will not. Except a Domi in a Philadelphia Flyers uniform. That's fair. I, let's just hope Scott Stevens' kid isn't good at hockey or anything. That's what, uh, or Martin Brodeur. Well, I mean, we've already had a couple Brodeurs, and they suck. I mean, all the Brodeurs have sucked. We, we stand by that. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, we don't need Domi on this team. You're right. That, that's true. We don't need Domi on this team at all. And um, uh, fuck you, Ty. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, okay. And then ne- next is uh, Nick Ehlers, number 10 on the... Uh, on Craig Custis' big board. Uh, and we talked about Ehlers last week. I love Ehlers. Out of the 22 names, I think Ehlers is my the guy I like the most. Uh, 24-year-old left-handed winger, ninth overall pick in 2014. 58 points in 71 games this year, 25 of which were goals. He was on pace for 28 goals over the last four seasons. He had a 29-goal season, two 25-goal seasons, and a 21-goal season uh, in 62 games. Uh, and his three, 203 shots would have led Philadelphia for shots on goal this season. He was on pace for 234. Has three 200-shot seasons in five years. Uh, the two times he didn't were games where he played 72 games in a season and 62 games in a season. So, again, like he probably would have hit 200 if he kept playing. Uh, and his 231 shots on goal in 2017-18, uh, his last full 82-game season, has been duplicated by a flyer since Voracek's 253 in 2016-17 in the same time uh, since he's done it. So five more years at $6 million. Uh, that sounds kind of steep, but I don't think it really is considering the angle of speed he'll bring to this team. Uh, I think he'll be the fastest player on the team, no doubt, uh, and his ability to carry the puck from end to end and create chances off the rush and in transition. I mean, that's pretty average for a winger these days, too. I mean, if you look at, you know, what TK's making, guys along that, of that nature, like, that's, I think that's a fair price. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Like, I I, I would not have any issues with that contract. And it's kind of nice knowing he's locked up for a little bit of time. Uh, and I think he he's exactly what I'm looking for, though, because I think speed is a big area where this team gets burned at times and he is one of the fastest skaters in the league and i think he would absolutely play in the top six i mean he would be a staple in the top six and i think he is a guy that yeah i mean it kind of feels like a like for for check isn't that 
fast anymore. I mean, like he used to be one of the faster players in the league. I think Ehlers would be be kind of getting like a younger version of that can actually score goals as well and is willing to shoot a lot more. So, uh, or not a lot more, but a guy that just more shoot first, it seems. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of Ehlers. I'm, I'm team Ehlers when it comes to this offseason. Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. So let's uh, let's get him. We talked about him last week. You're a big fan of him too, right? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm all about that acquisition. Like, I think as long as you don't pay an exorbitant amount for him, I, I really am a fan of that player, and I think he'd be a good fit on the team. So that, yeah, uh, like he, I think he is kind of looking at the other names too. Uh, among forwards, Andreas Janssen is the next one. He's 11 on uh, Craig's big board. 25 year old left hand left winger. Uh, Turned out to be a late-round gem for the Leafs, uh, taking the seventh round 2013. It's panned out. Had 21 points this season in 43 games, eight goals, uh, and he played in one playoff game and didn't produce anything there. Second full season in the NHL, full in quotation marks. Uh, 43 points, 20 of which were goals in 73 games in 2018-19, and they had four points in seven playoff games. Three more years at $3.4 million. He's a fast skater. Uh Fast, a lot of offensive upside. Hasn't really produced uh, in the NHL yet, but that might be uh, a reason why you trade for him because getting three more years at 3.4, if you utilize him correctly, he could be a threat in the top six and he could keep getting you 20 to 25 goals in the NHL. Um, so that would be my main argument for why you could trade for him. And again, the, the Leafs are trying to, the Leafs and Lightning over the next couple of seasons are going to be kind of. Selling off a couple of these fast uh, middle six guys that can produce. Like, we already saw Kaepernick get traded, and the Lightning are going to have to do some juggling again this offseason and next offseason, probably. So, uh, I wouldn't mind the Flyers adding a guy like Johnson. And if he is in the bottom six, I, I think they'd be in pretty good shape uh, adding a guy like that. But that's my stance on him. Any strong feelings on Andreas Janssen? Another random, uh, kind of, kind of random name. I wasn't really expecting to see on here, but it makes sense because it is the Leafs, and they got to trade some bodies. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and then Josh Anderson. The, the next three guys are Josh Anderson at fourteen, the negotiating rights to Terrell Hall at sixteen, and Andreas Athanasiu uh, was twenty second. He was the last guy on the list. Anderson and Athanasiu are two guys. I, I mean, I like Taylor Hall. He's just not coming to the Flyers because uh, I don't think – I think he's ultimately going to go in free agency, and I don't think the Flyers are going to have any kind of cap space to go out and sign Taylor Hall as a free agent. I think they're going to have to try and add – You don't think the Flyers name. are going to add the guy who won the heart from a couple of years ago to play with the guy who should have won the heart a couple of years ago? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> not at all. And uh, I still can't. That fucking season. That, that whole argument still blows my mind just because of the whole difference in McKinnon and McCarr's point totals. But uh, I digress. Whatever. Uh, but I, mean, I think listen, now some people didn't be... even have Sean Couturier in their top five for, you know, the Selkie sounds. Because, you know, uh, that's... best defensive forward as opposed to two. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did want to clarify that. I think I, I kept saying last week uh, best two way forward was the Selkie. It's best defensive. That's all bullshit, though, because there's nobody that is actually solely good at defense and a forward actually ever wins that award anymore. Because Couturier was that guy for years, like but uh, did it? Yeah, yeah, Def, just like Nate Thompson. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, God, Nate Thompson arguments. I don't get the people who still defend him. Like it's kind of crazy because like the one thing, 
his thing was just not being on the ice when the Flyers get scored on. So when he was on the ice and then kept getting scored on, like what was the what was the leg you're standing on? Anyway, the yeah, but Taylor Hall, like he's just not coming to the Flyers. So I don't, I don't I'm not gonna really spend that much time on. Josh Anderson was a name I threw out there in the middle it's of the season. It yeah, it's probably gonna happen now, exactly. <laughs> uh but Josh Anderson, uh twenty six year old right hand right winger, fourth round twenty twelve from the Blue Jackets. Four points, one of which were goals in uh, 26 regular season games this year. Shoulder surgery, a lot of injuries, uh, or one injury that really cost him the whole season. But four season as an NHL regular, only one 20-goal season. He had 47 points, 27 goals in 82 games in 2018-19. Also had 230 shots on goal. Uh, and then three points in 10 playoff games during that playoff run last year for Columbus. Uh, has never cleared 50 points. Uh, and the shoulder surgery might be an issue, but again, could be another rebound candidate. Could be a guy that just needs to go somewhere else, and he'll fit in there and uh, be able to produce. And he is an RFA, so you might be able to sign him for somewhat cheaper for maybe two or three years. And I think the Flyers, like I, I can understand the argument or the need for a guy like Tom Wilson that is not Tom Wilson. Uh, an asshole that can produce and also get under the skin of opponents. And, uh, you know, that was supposed to be TK. And then he just, uh, I, he didn't go to the bubble this year. I think he just skipped all the postseason. So, but like Josh Anderson would be another guy that could go in there and uh, piss people off and then also produce on top of that. So that'll be what my one uh, argument for adding Josh Anderson. Uh, again, shoulder injury did keep him out. Almost the whole season, which is kind of alarming considering it was a shoulder injury. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about giving up assets for that, but I could see him being a potential buy low, high reward type of guy. Uh, and I think he would fill a role that the Flyers don't have. So uh, I'm going to guess you don't have feelings about Josh Anderson because it's not a big, sexy name. <laughs> You'd be right. It's not, it's not a guy. He's a middle six guy with the Blue Jackets. Who is no more for grit and really not. Yes, but he is uh, whatever. He's a guy when you're desperate for a fill-in for your fantasy hockey team when somebody goes down with an injury, you go, maybe Josh Anderson. Maybe, unless he's also out with that shoulder injury. So uh, maybe not even fantasy. He's a real realistic option. But uh, I want him on the Flyers is what I'm getting at. Andreas Athens to see you, though. Last player on this big board. I don't know how I feel about him. I mean, he is fast as balls. He's really fast. Uh, that's why I like him in Detroit. That would be my main argument for getting him here because when I think of uh, just getting speed guys to add speed guys, Andreas Athens, he's your guy. Uh, 26-year-old, had 26 points in 55 games between the Red Wings and Oilers this season, 11 of which were goals. He's on pace for 16 goals, so not a ton of goals, but he is an RFA. Just finished two year de- a two-year deal with a cap hit of $3 million a season, so you're not going to be paying him a buttload of money and uh but he was like i, I think it's kind of hard to pin all these point totals on him for this season because he was traded to the oilers and i think he played nine games with the oilers before the season ended and then they had the whole you know four month all season and went to the bubble and they didn't do much in the bubble but and the red wings were hilariously bad this year so only getting uh 11 goals with the Red Wings this year and a partial season really isn't uh, like the end of the world. So, but he, again, I want to add speed. He is a guy that if they somehow win that trade and get another piece or don't pay him that much or yada, 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 I, I would not mind adding Andreas Athens to you. 
this offseason. But uh, I get he's not as high up on the list as I would have had him a couple years ago, like when he had that thirty goal season and he was one of the fastest players in the league. That that's the guy I would trade for, which was just last season. But I would I would trade for that guy. Um, I don't know how I feel about it right now. But those are those are the forwards. <laughs> yeah, just a former. Just can't. He's just not what he used to be, I guess. But he uh, no, he's still fast. He's just uh, nobody watched him when he was in Edmonton because it was Edmonton. But when he, he was traded to play alongside McDavid, and then in theory, that line is just insanely fast because he had McDavid and Athena Seagull on it. Uh, it just didn't uh, just didn't pan out. And also Tyler Ennis is another guy that uh, was a free agent that I threw out there as a speed guy that was with Edmonton. Uh, would not mind him also as like a cheap bottom six type of guy. Uh, that's probably more what the Flyers are looking at in terms of value and uh, actually fitting underneath the cap. So... Uh, Defense. I, I just couldn't take the puns. I just couldn't. The Anthony CU puns are just, they're there laying in <laughs> wait. And I, I can't deal with that stuff. I can't deal with that. No, thank I know you. you're not. Yeah, you absolutely hate puns. I know. How are those Kasha Well, that's my problem. Uh, t-shirts, yeah. How they're they coming got, out how great. They coming they're coming okay. out great. The dollar dollar mm-hmm. bills sell. But, yeah. I mean, here's the problem. <laughs> I can't I can't resist it. So, I no, it's, it's unhealthy for me. No, thank you. Yes. I agree. And we'll move on to defensemen. <laughs> Let's get... All right, do any of these defensemen interest you? We'll just start with that. There are a couple names here uh, that I would uh, throw my hat to those rings, but uh, a lot of I like of them Ekman just Larson. Like I do too, but again, I like... I Pricey. Here. Yeah, like I... And again, the Flyers, I think the Flyers should be in the market for maybe another defenseman that actually is more regarded as a guy that can actually drive play and suppress shots. Not a defensive-minded guy. Because I guess you're just a bro. It's all about one name for me at the end of the day. It's all about clearing the space to get Alex Petrangelo. Get me Alex Petrangelo. You pair him up with Ivan Provorov. And guess what? They're the killer peas. I'll hang up and listen. Oh, my goodness. First of all, we're never doing another podcast together. Secondly, that pairing, I mean, Provorov and Petrangelo, the PP pairing would absolutely die. They'd play 35 minutes a night, and that's all you'd need. You, you could trade San Ivan Myers. I have killer peas, and you're like, the PP pairing. Oh, the PP pairing. <laughs> yeah, a little tink- the tinkle pairing. Yeah, we'll just go oh, with that my. one. So. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, just not going to. Uh, I mean, for trans- I'm not. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath on that one. It would be amazing. <laughs> but the gymnastics that Chucky Two Trades would have to do to make that work. Oh, boy. I mean, again, we haven't had a we haven't had a off season where Fletcher's in a full like contend mode. We haven't seen him actually trade pieces for a contending team. So uh, if he doesn't do anything, the team's gonna pretty much be the same exact club he's bringing back. And I don't know if he likes to sit on his hands. I mean, we, we, he was not called Chucky Two Trades for no reason. He's called Chucky Two Trades because I called him that a year ago, year and a half ago, almost two years ago now for no reason. And uh, it's got to stick. We got to make it count. Chucky No Trades was our previous. GM Ron Hextall. It's God, clear yeah. nickname for Ron yeah. Hextall. No trades, <laughs> no. Ron Hextall was Ron Hextall was if he had any. If you were going to give him a nickname, it would have to be like part of just taking like a shitty contract back in order to clear some cap space for like three years from now. Yeah, Ronnie. It would just be Ronnie two years away from being two years away. That would be the. Uh, I think that would be oh, fair. Oh, yeah, that would that. be that either. Just that. though, I I'm gonna you know I enjoyed a lot of his work when he was here, but I'm not gonna. Help dig a grave while he's gone. So, oh yeah, though. 
Second on Craig's big board. Uh, yeah, seven more years at 8.25 million. I'll be honest, uh, by the way. I It took me a, a hot minute to figure out who OEL is. I'm sitting there looking at it. Like, oh, he's is been, that a league I haven't heard of? <laughs> he's been... Like he's just, I feel like he hasn't been talked about as much for a guy that, again, is second on the big board on like possible names traded. And the Coyotes also had like a pretty good, they had a pretty good season for the Coyotes. So like, I, I feel like he should be talked about more, but just isn't really mentioned as much as everybody else. And again, one of five D-men with 70 goals or more since 2015-16. This all started because I was looking up Matt Dumbin numbers. But since the start of that season, Brent Burns has 96 goals. It, which is insane considering second is Dougie Hamilton with 74. Then Shea Weber was 72. Roman Yossi was 71. OEL was 70. So those are your five guys, defensemen that have scored uh, 70 goals in that amount of time. So he, he he's going to be well, he's going to be sought after. I just don't see like for Trancho or, or uh, OEL be a nice thing to add to the Flyers blue line. But uh, I mean, yeah, uh, a guy, I think that is also a bigger name. That could be on the table based off of uh, right-handed. Kind of fits more on what the Flyers may need. And also, play for Minnesota is playing for Minnesota. And if you're Chuck Fletcher, that's like the first box you need to check off. Anything related to Minnesota. And there's a chance he's going to end up on the Flyers. So, Matt Dumba, 26-year-old right-hand defenseman, taking 7th overall in 2012. 24 points this season in 6-9 games, on pace for 7 goals. Before this year, though, four straight years of 10 goals or more. His 53 goals since 2015-16 is the 15th most, 15th most in the NHL for a defenseman. Uh, three more years at $6 million a year. And again, I he is not exactly who I, I have in mind in terms of a like, shutdown guy, take away all the chances in the world. Like It's actually... More Jonas Brodeen would be the guy from Minnesota I'm thinking of, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no to a Matt Dumba trade. Like I would say yeah. yes to uh, a top four of Progrelf, Dumba, Sanheim, Myers for years to come. I, I think I could get down with that for three more years. And again, that's include that's assuming Niskanen's traded after his piss poor uh, postseason, and uh, you know so be it because uh, we didn't really <laughs> see it much. I mean, like that's I was I was worried of postseason Niskanen for the entire season. And thankfully, thankfully, we only got him at the most important time of the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, hopefully, I don't know. I, I hope Niskan is more of what we saw during the regular season and not the postseason for next year. Yeah, I'd be surprised if, if Nisky business went anywhere. And Dumpa might not be as exciting as the Electric Light Orchestra that we just talked about, but he's... Uh... <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Drop I saw... The, little, I, I okay. saw... I saw the letter combination, and I re- it took me a minute to rearrange it the way where I, th- I thought it should be, and then it all clicked. <laughs> but I-, I do like. And then once it clicked, it was oh oh, it's mad. I, you know, I'll get him in there. I, Don't you? Yeah. I know you're getting it in there. Now it's I, I like Dumbo a lot. I-, I would not be opposed to that trade in any way, shape, or form, unless you know, obviously, if they're overpaying. But uh, I-, I like him. I think it'd be a good fit. Yeah, and he is the guy. I think he's the only guy out of all these defensemen that is realistic. And we'll run through the rest of them now. So Dumbo was three on Craig's board. Uh, Chris Letang is ninth. We talked about Letang last week. And please, Penguins, trade him as soon as possible. He's very bad at the sport. Uh, don't keep him around. Back-to-back 15-goal seasons for a defenseman. Twelfth uh, on the big board is Brady Shea. Uh, no thank you. Uh, I mean, like, he's... Rangers paid a lot of middling, like, four to six defensemen a ton of money. 
for some reason in the last couple of years. Uh, and Brady Shea is uh, kind of one of those guys. Uh, he had 23 points in 60 games this year. He's on pace for 10 goals. Uh, not really the biggest point producer. I think his underlying numbers have gotten worse, if I remember correctly. And also, uh, former years of 5.25 million a year. So, no thank you. Like, I, I don't know. I uh, That's feels like a little bit of a high cap hit for him. But again, that's uh, uh, it's not pass. a name. Really. Yeah, I, another name I'll pass on. Uh, 15th, Nikita Zadorov. So, uh, yeah, just a big-ass dude. That's pretty much a big-ass dude that can skate. Doesn't really do much else. Uh, feels like he should be producing a lot offensively. Does not. Uh, no 10-goal season and only one 20-point season in six years as an NHL regular. Uh, six foot six, 235 pounds, though. And is an RFA. Uh, I, you know, maybe as a third pairing guy, but I don't think he's looking for third pairing money. Uh, the the Abs have some defensemen still coming up on the way, and you know, Makar's role is probably only going to expand. So I kind of get them wanting to trade him. And 17 on the list, Eric Johnson, who uh, again, no thank you, 32 year old right hand defenseman taking first overall in 2006, 16 points in 59 games. Hasn't had a 10-goal season in a minute. Has never broken 39 points. Three more years at $6 million a year. Would not take that cap hit for Eric Johnson, in my opinion. I don't know. Not a, I, I'm kind of not really feeling him either. And then, um, do these last three names uh, reach out to you at all, Steve? There's one name I would make an argument for out of these three. Of uh, Noah Hannafin, Brandon Carlo, and Justin Falk. And I don't think it'll be the name that people would expect. Which okay, now I'm, you've got my curiosity now. Which one? I I, I kind of like Brandon Carlo is a name that again I don't know if it's just because he plays with Boston, uh, but and uh, I haven't looked at his underlying numbers in a minute. But when I was looking at him, he did pretty good in terms of limiting shots and chances against, and he's a right-handed shot. And uh, if he's able to drive play and limit chances against. Uh, and he's already playing big minutes, uh, put him in the top six. Uh, put him next to Proveroff or Sanheim. And let Certainly that be seems like an upgrade six. over Justin Braun. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or even put him on the third pair there and let him kill penalties as well. Uh, so uh, 23 years old, uh, taken in the second round of the 2015 draft, taken with the pick the Flyers gave to the Islanders in the AMAC deal. Uh, that worked its way to Boston to help them choose this pick. That's part of the reason why I want to get him back. Uh, 19 points in 67 games this season. Again, not a big point producer. Uh, four goals this year. Has broken six goals or 19 points in his four years as a regular. One more year at 2.85 mil, and then he's an RFA after that. So that would be my argument. It doesn't cost a lot, and he's not going to produce a lot, so that contract number probably isn't going to jump up a ton. But... He, he does do pretty good in terms of actually playing defense. Uh, or at least that's my grasp on him. Again, we got, we're going to have a lot of offseason here to dig deeper into these guys as well. So that's a name I'd like to point out right now is Brandon Carlo. Uh, out of him, Noah Hannafin, Justin Falk. Justin Falk is going to be, I mean, no. Like, he's just, that contract is going to be too much, I think. Uh, not even the cap hit necessarily. It's just also the term. Like, uh, he signed that deal with the Blues last year. And he's already 21st on this big board. Uh, so if they whoever trades from this year is going to get the whole seven-year deal with the 6.5 million cap hit a year. And you're talking about a 28-year-old defenseman uh, that does have his defensive lapses. So I, I, I don't know how I feel about adding Justin Falk. And uh, 
no Hannafin is fine. I just I don't know. Yeah, no Hannafin's fine. I just if we're gonna add somebody, I'd rather it be a right-handed guy that actually plays pretty solid defense in his own zone. So all these names considered in terms of realistic names that could actually come to the Flyers and guys I would want on this team to help sure up the areas I think the Flyers are kind of uh, lacking in, it would be Brendan Carla. Yeah, so that's uh, that's who I want out of the rest of the guys here. Is uh, mainly so like all na- all things considered on this list, uh, why not? I'm still about. I, I think I would ultimately. I don't know. I- I'm leaning towards yes, but I, I the the package for him I think would kind of scare the shit out of me. And also, he feels like a guy that would come to Philly, and then just not produce. Like that feels like a very Philly thing that would happen. So like I would kind of already be scared off the bat if uh, they're getting a guy that is only here to produce goals. And then he just hits like 25 goals for the rest of his career. That feels feels about right. Um, but him, I kicked the tires on Paul Mary. The expectation for a line A trade, I think, would be absolutely insane from a fan point of view. Where people would oh, be yeah. expecting like 30, 40, well, 30 goals would be the minimum. And people would be pissed off if he didn't get the 30. They would be expecting 40, 50 goal seasons from this guy. And people were definitely going to be pissed if the Flyers get line A and he does not score like that. People buried Jeff Carter, uh, the guy who had 46 goals, and people said he was lazy, but he just skated so effortlessly it just looked like he wasn't trying. So, like, I can imagine (laughs) he was just tall, and, like, three strides for him, he was out of the zone. So, like, it was a thing, I I don't know. Like, I can definitely see the angle of, like, I would be for it. I don't know if I'd be for the fan's reaction once he went, like, seven games without a goal. But... That's neither here nor there. Uh, line A, I think, again, Palmieri, I would kick the tires on. D- Domi is a guy that would be... Like, I wouldn't mind adding Domi, but he is also Ty's kid, and he doesn't really check off the things I really... Like, he would be... He's a fast-forward. That's about it. From a serious hockey perspective, I, I he's, he's fine, I guess. He is an agitator, and I, I guess it'd be fine, but I'm not really excited by him. Yeah, it would feel like a move they would do, and it... Feels like it wouldn't really have accomplished anything. I don't know. Like I'm not against adding more skill. It's just he's not, not like a pure goal scorer. He's not like a, a line A or a, a Palmieri where you're getting him and he's gonna. You should count on at least 25 goals. And there's just not. I don't know. Uh, Nick Ehlers though is a guy I'm a big fan of. Uh, Andreas Janssen I'm a fan of too. Uh, I think collectively we're the biggest fans of Ehler. I think would be the one trade we want to see go down out of all his names. But, uh, yeah, Janssen is fine and fast. Josh Anderson is the name I'm all right with. Uh, and Athens CU, I think, will be all right at the right price. And then uh, Dumba and, yeah, Carla. Dumba and Carla would be my defenseman of this ginormous list of random players that teams could trade for, Steve. And, uh, I mean, moving on from that, I don't have a segue to go into award winners. Do you have anything for uh, segues? Going into award winners, you have anything that could bill us out here? You got anything? I mean, it's uh, might be it might be a pretty shitty transition, is what I'm saying. It may not be the best one coming I, up we're, here. So we're neck take... deep in it, pal. <sighs> okay, let's just talk about these award. I'm sorry, everybody. Well, look, I, I want to apologize about that segue. Um, I mean, I guess I'll take the blame for it, even though this is a a team podcast. But I mean, that one's on me, you know. And uh, well, if you, you know, just let me handle just, it. Like, <laughs> You know, I like, like to get in there. I, you know, I'm a control freak. You just get behind the wheel and you find out you don't know how to drive stick. It's that easy. <laughs> Do that every day of my life. 
I should have never gotten a car that that sick, but you know that's a story for another time. But yeah, let's talk about these award winners though, because uh, Lou Lamarillo uh, is uh, won the Jim Gregory GM of the uh, Year award. First win for Lamarillo or the Islanders, uh, and again we listed off a bunch of the uh, the moves he made last week. He had a J JG Pajot and Andy Green at the trade deadline. Pretty pricey trade. Well, not the Andy Green one, but Andy Green's not really good at hockey. But they've been playing pretty well for the Islanders because that's how sports and life work. But uh, that also brought in Semyon Varlamov and Cole Bardrill. Anytime you lock up a guy like Cole Bardrill, you're probably already in the running for GM of the year. And I mean, a- anytime you bring in somebody of questionable character like Semyon Varlamov <laughs> to play behind your uh, defensively boring-ass team, you bring Andy Green <laughs> down from the wall on Game of Thrones... And, you know, it was a life sentence at the wall and he needed to be saved from it. And kudos to Lou for bringing him in and, and saving another, you know, piece of shit like Semyon Varlamov. That's <laughs> GM of the year stuff right there. GM of the year. And also speaking about character players and uh, not that Nathan McKinnon's that one, but uh, I'm going to get into something I saw that I thought was kind of funny, for lack of better terms, with the Lady Bing stuff. Uh, McKinnon. Won the Lady Bing. Uh, first Lady Bing win for him. Also a second major award he's won. Won the uh, Calder for the 2013-2014 campaign. 93 points, 35 goals, uh, in just 12 penalty minutes in 69 games this season. So uh, nice. that's a pretty Lady Bingish uh, season right there. 25 points in 15 postseason games, also with 12 penalty minutes. So, you know, maybe uh, check that Lady Bing. Title again. Uh, third Av to win it. Ryan O'Reilly won it back in 2013-14, the year that uh, McKinnon won the Calder. And then Joe Sackick won it back in 2000-2001. And uh, Steve, as you know, we're still waiting with bated breath for the Flyers' first uh, Lady Bing winner. And uh, <laughs> we will be waiting for that for some time, probably. Uh, maybe TK on the next year. Who knows? Flyers. That's right, baby. Shout out. Too much I help. just uh, what a pointless goddamn award. Just just throw it. Away. <laughs> Get rid of it. Who cares? I, well, my thing is, is like I get it to an extent, but like I do not. Like twelve penalty minutes is that's fine. I, I like I think to me it's not really the idea. Oh, what a gentleman! Oh, well, no. How like, do you do, it's sir? Like, it's like awesome. Who cares? Matthews. It's hockey. People voted for Awesome Matthews this year. After the shit that he had in Arizona back in like the summer of 2019, which again, like, shouldn't that automatically disqualify you for the gentlemanly award? And my whole angle, well, like that, I mean, it should, but also, Lady Bank shouldn't really be the gentleman award. I'm thinking of the award of like a guy that actually produces a lot and then also just doesn't take fucking penalties. So like Ryan O'Reilly that year, I remember people. I think. Uh, uh, Merrick first Wyshynski kept talking about it. I think he went almost went the entire year without a single penalty like he was producing at like a top line rate and only took one or two minors that entire season to me that you should win an award for that especially if you're a guy that's not going to be winning other awards like McKinnon is the second best player in the league and he hasn't won like an MVP yet or anything any other thing besides the Calder so I, th- I guess it's a good trophy to kind of be like yeah he's doing well but again, uh, yeah, generally it's kind of annoying. I get it. Like I, I don't fucking know. It's kind of a dumb trophy, but I think it takes some kind of skill to not take penalties all year long. Is what I'm saying. Whoopity doo. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds. That now sounds let's, right. <laughs> let's talk about 
a real quantifiable thing here. Let's talk about leadership. Yes, you can definitely finally. quantify leadership. And let's talk about the Mark Messier Leadership Award. Who won it this year, Craig? Mark Giordano. And Steve, I want to say thank you for finally putting down the advanced fucking stats and just watching the game and knowing who a true leader is out there. Uh, and it is definitely Mark Giordano. By the way, last year's winner was Wayne Simmons. Uh, I don't know if we ever got around to talking about that. But yeah, Wayne Simmons won it uh, in 2018-19 uh, for Between the Flyers and uh, the Predators. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's uh, it just, uh, again, this is just a good guy needs to win an award type of thing, pretty much. So yeah, uh, yeah. maybe Nathan McKinnon wins the next year. Who knows? Universally beloved player, at least amongst his teammates. Not so much the guys playing against him. Uh, Wayne Simmons, absolutely deserving of it. I think we did mention it and talk about it uh, a little bit last year, though. Yeah. Yeah. He, and uh, they always, I, like, I forgot to look up what you're down today, but usually the leadership award is a guy that leads by example on and off the ice. So I don't know what his off ice contribution was. I, mean, I, I Simmons... actually do know. I do know what it was. So Mark Giordano actually did oh, the first go. first thing. No Calgary Flame has ever done this before. He managed to spend an entire season without riding a mechanical bull when he was off the ice. Now that is, I mean, and when you're living in Calgary, you're you pretty much just turn and walk into them left and right. Like that's all that town is. Uh, it's people getting drunk, mechanical bulls, and then just a lot of open fields. Uh, it's they don't they don't call it the Indiana of Canada for nothing. And of course, There's fire whole, pits. That's why they're called the fire pits. They have open fire pits everywhere. Yep. No, I yeah. That's I didn't even mention that because yeah, I think everybody knew that. But that's yeah. I mean, that's so that's Calgary and uh, and props to Mark Giordano. Like again, if there was anybody that needed for that release after a hard night's work, because he's playing most of the game, doing everything that the coaching staff uh, is throwing at them, and we'll get more into the Flames coaching staff later in this episode, and that's not a joke. But I mean, you know, that's. Uh, you know, good for him. I'm glad he finally won it. Uh, you know, I'm just, yeah, good for Mark. Good for Mark, Steve. Good for Mark. Good for Mark. Good for Mark. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just good for Mark. I want to see. It, well, he he won it for his namesake, Mark Messier, and that's that's all you can really ask for at the end of the day. It's oh, it's a yeah. it's a great story. It warms your heart almost as much as seeing Peter Laviolette get back on the bull. The proverbial bull here, and uh, get a good job down in Washington. Holy shit, you really made sure we had a segue for that one. Good lord. All right, yeah, let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's lava, go. hot lava down in Washington. <laughs> hot lava, uh, and yeah, he's, uh, he's gonna be coaching the caps, uh, 637, 425, 123 over 18 seasons for one Peter Laviolette, uh, with all that jam. Islanders, Hurricanes, Flyers, Predators. And now the Caps, he is 16th all-time in wins. Took me forever to find this stat, but I remember them talking about it a bunch. One of four head coaches to lead three different teams to the Stanley Cup final. I think that's Laviolette's best stat. So besides the Islanders, where he wasn't there for that long and had to deal with the Islanders, uh, when he was with in Carolina and he was in Philly and he took in Nashville, he took all of them to the Cup at least once. I think that's worth... It's worth something. I mean, if you get it's the very Caps back to the Cup. Yeah, hopefully I mean, the last time he does it. Yeah, hopefully, because I, I don't want to see the Caps anywhere near the Stanley Cup final again with the Vetchkin in this uh, core of the roster. But uh, other three coaches, by the way. Scotty Bowman, who did it with the Canadians, Penguins, and Red Wings. 
Iron Mike, Mike Keenan, uh, went to the Cup twice with the Flyers, uh, lost, obviously, lost with the Hawks in 92, and then won with the Rangers in 94, because, you know, why not lose with the Flyers and then went with the Rangers? And then also Dick Urban, who did with a bunch of teams back when hockey didn't count back in, like, the ninth, or the 20s and 30s. So, uh, Peter Laviolette, though. Yeah, I mean, that's, and again, nobody recently has done it. Uh, however, AV could be, uh, you know, did get there with the Canucks, did get there with the Rangers, and the Flyers are, well, they got Carter Hart in that, so anything is possible now. Um, and looking at uh, looking at the Caps history, I saw this, and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, first head coach in Caps history with a Stanley Cup to his name before the hire. What? It's been That's around weird. for 40, like six years now, yeah. First one they brought in that actually has won a cup in their history so and only the second one in the Ovechkin era with previous head coaching experience that is fucking insane uh Lavillette will be the seventh head coach Way in the Ovechkin era <laughs> yeah uh seventh head coach in the Ovechkin era by the way coach killer uh you know let's talk about that real quick uh Glenn Hanlon Bruce Boudreau Dale Hunter Adam Oates Barry Trotz and Todd Reardon so everybody there except for Barry Trotz had not been a coach anywhere else uh Glenn Hanlon was only a shitty coach with D.C. Uh, Bruce Boudreau, you know, he's been there right now, but he started out in D.C. Uh, Dale Hunter was a pretty shitty NHL coach. Actually, I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. He, I, I don't know how much more he could have gotten out of teams. Listen, he made Washington as boring as possible, put Ovechkin down in the bottom six. You know, what a great coach. I loved him. Yeah, uh, he did also almost get to the Eastern Conference Final. So, you know, uh, don't, uh, you know, I'd say bring back, let's bring back Dale Hunter to the Caps. Just to the Caps. Else. Let's just, just... left wing lock it. You know, let's just <laughs> bring back clutch and grab. Late 90s hockey, baby. That's right. Exactly. That's uh, that's what we really want. And uh, Adam Oates, too, again, was, uh, yeah, I mean, he was not. A good coach at all and then he also did stuff like he he was as good a coach for the washington capitals as he was a hockey player for the philadelphia flyers yeah probably probably 10 times as long as a coach with the caps and he was a player with the it was like 14 fucking games or something terrible that that oats deal is still hilarious to this day and then uh trots of course was with the preds and reardon was the uh, coach waiting for a while so that's i mean that those two stats alone are kind of mind-blowing for any franchise. but uh, And for comparison, Drew has had five head coaches, two with experience beforehand. John Stevens was only a head coach here. Laviolette, of course, was one with experience. Drewby was a mid-season hire that kind of got left to play out because the uh, new management and everything. And then Haxtell was... Yeah, Haxtell and then AV now. So Haxtell, again, fine with the idea to tinker with it. Don't like letting that decision drag you down for years and years, I guess, is where I ultimately stand with Haxtell. Um, and then uh, since his cup, but like, okay, so I think Laviolette is a good coach, and I think he'll do fine in Washington, but I think it is worth pointing out that, uh, you know, like the Preds haven't been a bad team for the last couple of years, and they haven't gone anywhere the last couple of years. Uh, like, Yossi is up there as being one of the best defensemen in the league. He's up there finalist for Norris, uh, and they still have Ryan Ellis, and they have Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg up front, and they got a lot of good scoring depth up front. One of the worst power plays in the league. Um, got knocked out by the Coyote, Coyotes in the qualifying round this year, lost to the Stars last year in the first round. Like uh, They 
I feel like they should have accomplished more of these last few seasons with the talent they've been given. So maybe Laviolette, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens in D.C., but the last couple of years really haven't been that great for, for Laviolette. Good luck, but not really. Yeah, good luck, but you know, don't 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 get carried away with that luck. Like, just keep it. You know, just I, I hope uh, you remain a good amount. I hope you remain gainfully employed for many years, Peter Laviolette, but not that successful. <laughs> just a guy who does a really good job carrying like injured cap seems almost into the postseason. So like, it's impressive what he's doing with all the amount of players out, but they never get into the. You know what I'm saying. Let's talk about some trades, Steve. Uh, there were three big deals. Uh, this Well, there are three deals. I don't really want to call them big. One of them is kind of mind-blowing because I still don't get it for either. Well, I get it for the – and I really don't get it for either side. Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson. I, Eric Stahl to the I saw this happen. Marcus Johansson to the wild. I saw this happen, and I just couldn't. I, I was just, why? Why did this happen? Big fan of Eric Stahl going to the Sabres. I don't know why. I want to see them get some help for Eichel. Because he's probably demanding it, and also because, I mean, he's good, and they, they haven't gotten him any help ever. Uh, I don't know if that comes with a 36-year-old center. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be helpful for, for one year. And Marcus Johansson, maybe not the sexiest name out there, but he was also an asset you could have gone and gotten another thing for. But you got a guy that is pretty old and probably not part of the future in Buffalo for a team that is not really in striking distance of winning at all right now. So, like, I think those Sabres won the trade, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like, all right, yeah, they, <laughs> for a year. And then, like, Marcus Johansson is just... Marcus Johansson kind of feels like everybody else, like the Wild are a team of... I kind of feel like a team of Marcus Johansson. So, I mean, like, they kind of have... All top nine of the fours kind of feel like that guy. Like, just kind of a faster guy that has dynamic capabilities. Just a big bull of Luke Wood. Isn't a game... <laughs> yeah, not really a game-changing forward, but he'll make some nice plays, uh, and he'll chip in offensively, but I don't think he's going to take a game over. But, I mean, in the Wilds' defense, that did start working there for a while towards the end of the season. Like, they did start getting some depth going. Like, they got depth scoring going, and Kevin Fiala was kind of going off, and they, were, they had a rough start to the season. And couldn't do much offensively, but then they kind of started clicking and made a push towards the postseason before they ultimately lost to the uh, to the Canucks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that I that trade is kind of weird. But then also they added Nick Bukestad from the Penguins for a 2021 seventh, going back to Pittsburgh, and uh, that was one of the trades that I mean, Jim Rutherford is going to have to make some trades there. Clear up some cast space and uh, trading Bukestad to uh, Minnesota. That kind of makes sense. Uh, he, I, I mean, he was fine in Pittsburgh, but again, they had to clear some contracts. And uh, unfortunately for us, in terms of people that they should be moving, I guess Bukestad kind of makes sense compared to the Latangs and the idea of keeping Jack Johnson. You know, so not not the worst idea. We were discussing Latang last week, and he basically just came out and was like, "Yeah, I'm not coming back, guys." <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, so Bukestad is kind of an all right deal for the Penguins, you know, shipping that deal off, but I'm, I want to see Jim Rutherford get back in there, buddy. Keep swinging, keep picking up those bows. Get on the horn. Let's see what you can do there. Get uh, get as many good players as you can out of the city of Coleslaw. Uh, and also, the Minnesota also signed, uh, we talked about Jonas Brodeen, seven years, $6 million cap hit for a year. I like Jonas Brodeen a lot, and that opens up 
the potential for them to move Dumba because of the flat cap and cap face and everything. So, uh, but I like Brodine's game a lot. He, uh, again, he's like the shot suppressing king. Like when he's on the ice, the, the wild just don't give up any scoring chances when he's off, uh, they're a little worse for wear, but uh, and then the last trade of the week was Joel Edmondson going to the Canadians uh, with a 2025th going back to Montreal or uh, going back to um, Carolina. Jesus, uh, have reportedly signed a four-year extension worth 3.5 million a year. I mean, Joel Edmondson's a whole bunch of nothing. Like he's a four to six defenseman. I, I don't know why. Like uh, Bergman knows he can only play six defensemen a game or seven. I mean, but he's gotten. I like to collect on those guys that are slotted from like three to six on the depth chart. And so uh, keep adding to them. Who even uh, needs a fourth line? They already just, have Brett Kulak. Just play another pair of defensemen. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, why not go? Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Go uh, Three lines like three with lines. a rotating yeah. forward and four pairs of defensemen. There you go. And uh, yeah, they're going to do it. I, also, that would go with their two goalies in the net because you remember they traded for Jake Allen. So you're going to have. Five defensive pairs and two goalies in that. You're, you're still going to need a backup. You're probably going to need two backup goalies now because you're going to need a, a backup for each goalie. So let's break it down. You got five. You got eight defensemen and four goalies suited up. That's going to leave you with uh, like six forwards to go with. Hey, you can do that. I think it's perfect. You can roll with two lines. Okay. Yeah, it works out pretty that's well. That's what hockey's all about. Yeah. So that's that's just hockey, baby. And uh, the Wild, yeah, I mean, so the Wild definitely made a bunch of moves. And Bill Guerin said, uh, you know, they, they, uh, you know, he was brought in to make some deals, which is always a great approach to have. And also Chuck Fletcher, get on the fucking horn with that guy because he just gave away Eric Stahl for nothing. I mean, I would like Katoria Hayes and Stahl down the middle for a year. I would take that. That would be a nice insurance policy in case uh, Nolan Patrick doesn't play again this year. Uh, it's not available now. Because I mean, Kevin Adams is going to trade him, but uh, yeah, let's see what else. Let's see if we can get Kevin Fiala for peanuts, or uh, I don't know, get a uh, Dumbo for uh, Matt Niskanen. Uh, if he's going to get wild with one on one trades, let's get. Oh god, I was thinking, if he's going to get wild with one on one trades, let's get wild with the wild on one on one trades. So that was a bad pun. I was not going for. By the way, it's I not. Ups- I'm not I, happy about like, it. And here I am thinking, you know, let's get. You said get Fiala <laughs> for peanuts. I was thinking Dumbo for donuts. <laughs> Dumba for donuts. Just send the finest donuts of Philadelphia back and we get a very good defense. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, if we want to start like trading goods for players, I think we could definitely do that. We'll figure out the capture later, but yeah, get Matt Dumbo in a flyer jersey, and I think I'm a pretty big fan. I I Dumbo for Niskanen. That's gonna be the trade I'm pushing. <laughs> Is that, okay. I don't know. That feels like it might be a Bill Garrett trade right now. He's not. He's here to make trades, not to sit on his hands. Yeah, he's here to. Yeah, he's going to be Billy bunch of trades. So hopefully, bunch of trades meets up with Chuck and two trades. Billy they, uh... bunch of trades. <laughs> just, just all these nicknames that just are terrible. That's going to be any variation of a GM wheeling and dealing. That's going to be my forte. It's just really shitty nicknames. All right, you want to talk about these playoffs, Steve? Let's get let's cut the shit. All right, let's get into some real fucking hockey talk, and let's talk about why the how the Islanders still fucking alive. I'm tired of the shit. The game five was so boring, and they had 25 shots. They pulled a Flyers in game six against them in game five, and there's no reason they should have won that. Game six ain't going that much better. I mean, 
the Lightning are basically outshooting the Lightning 2-1 to in this. Or, I'm sorry, the Lightning are basically outshooting the Islanders 2-1 to in this, and it's a 1-1 to game. 1-1 game, and uh, I don't like it. I don't like how this is developing because, obviously, the Lightning are a better team. I mean, they're just taking it to the Islanders left and right here and uh, getting a lot more chances. And uh, I, I just feel like, and this is the with fucking like, Islanders, man. What they do is they just, they take advantage every time they get a chance. So every chance every they chance. have is like a crazy high danger chance, but it's, they're not getting it's that many. Annoying. I mean, they've got 11 goddamn shots, I think right now through two, right? Yeah, I think so. It's not a lot. And like, they only had, I think everybody scored on the 24th shot in double overtime. Like, there were seven minutes left in double overtime, so cool. Uh, but that that's what they are. Yeah, they're just super opportunistic, and it's just, uh, it's really annoying. It's, it's, just pretty, me, it's pretty annoying. Give me my goddamn weird-ass Southern Stanley Cup with the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lakers. Yes, that's what... Just, the one to piss off every old-school hockey fan who goes, Oh, there shouldn't be hockey in the South, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's what we need, is that matchup right fucking there and i'm gonna be honest with you i don't i don't know what the stars are doing i'm gonna it's a lot of anton kadobin like that's the uh and by the way steve you can look this up while i talk about anton kadobin stats have you seen that picture of him like shirtless sweating with like beer in his hand and uh oh yeah crawfish yeah it's a it's a beautiful it should be it should be taped to the consmite when he wins it by going like 975 save percentage in the stanley cup final so hopefully Hopefully that's what goes down. But he's the reason why they beat the Golden Knights. Uh, nine fifty save percentage in five games. Quick nine. 50. Quick shout out to to listener friend of the show, uh, Jimothy Swagger fifteen, who had sent that our way. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That was uh, I had seen it circulating around, but yes, he did point it out, and it made a. Uh, a that was the first time I had reference. seen it. It is. It's it been like it's a it's like a, a picture of a good time, in my opinion. Yeah, he just eased down the clown, uh, on and off the ice. So, uh, Anton Kadobin living, living his best life, and also uh, recently diagnosed with gout. Uh, that I just, uh, I'm envious. Of that. I'm envious of that picture. Just beer and seafood. I just look at that and I'm like, man, that's yesteryear for me, baby. I'll never, I, I already forget what it tastes like. It's terrible. As I'm living a different life, and uh, it's not great. Uh, but in, <laughs> dang it, Bobby. Yeah. So yeah, me and Bobby, me and a cartoon. <laughs> I had. I got real dicey tonight. I had a chicken cheesesteak. Yeah, chicken cheesesteak from a place around the corner for me. And I got French fries and onion rings all within the umbrella of what I can have with gout. I'll see if my foot explodes tomorrow. I think I should be fine. But, uh, yeah, we'll find out. (laughs) Hashtag foot. Well, yeah, that's the fun. It's like each time I look something up online, like like pizza I can't have because tomatoes are high in the shit that, like, causes gout. But, like, everything is, like, you can have everything in moderation, but you can test it out. Like, they're pretty much, like, daring me. They're like, yeah, this is going to cause a reaction, but you can try it if you want. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to fucking try it, though. Like, don't try and, you know, taunt me with not eating good food. Sorry. Anyway, uh, Anton Kadobin, now. though. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much just going to be doing it. You don't need your left big toe for much. I mean, maybe balance, but, like, I'm I'm done blocking kids in rec basketball, you know? Like, I don't need to walk around that much. I'll find a desk job. It's cool. Uh, but so, uh, yeah, in 17 playoff games, uh, Anton Kadobin, 11-5 with a 9.20 save percentage in that one shutout he had against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Um, how do you feel, because I saw a lot of people still bitching about this, and honestly, 
my opinion on this rule has now, uh, like, I, I just, Zach Whitecloud flipped the puck over the glass, gave the Stars a delay of game, or power play off a delay of game call that Gary Onoff scored on the ensuing power play. Do you think it's bullshit that the Dallas Stars won on a power play based off that play, or do you think that that rule is fine? A little bit. A little bit. I, I hate that call. I, I hate the delay of game, like... You just flip it up. Like, I hate it. It's one of the worst right. penalties in sports. How many years have we I'm had? also not, like, forever. But I'm not furious at the Stars, about, you know, about the Stars winning over it. Because they got to that point, And Vegas didn't lock it down before that. So, you know, don't let the fucking puck into the net. But I do hate Thank the penalty. I, I think it's a bullshit penalty. I, again, I, I think, like, the penalty, I get the argument against it. I don't know if I'm completely for it either. But we've been fucking talking about this penalty for years now everybody knows the rule if you're getting pressured in your own zone and you take you have to take the chance of banking it off the glass make sure you bank it off the glass like the white cloud was getting pressured he was getting four checked he couldn't bank the puck off the glass and that was his only defensive play to was that attempt to safely get away was to bank it off the glass and out which is a sign of desperation in your own defense so the fact he got punished for dallas's good four check I don't fucking care. We know what the rule is. Hit the glass. Like, I, I don't know what to say anymore. Like, uh, people I mean, losing it's their a minds over that call. It, but I like, would, I'm not losing my mind over it, but I do hate the penalty. I've always hated it. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I Like, in five years when we had the same conversation, I, I'm, I, I don't want to hear it's bullshit anymore. Like, we all know it's been here long enough. Like, I'm sure the same people probably bitch about offside the first five years and then in the 30s. But it's been around forever. We're all used to it now. I don't know. That's my stance on it. Make a better play. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm probably going to change my opinion on that in three weeks, but we'll find out. I forgot John Stevens was also an assistant coach with Dallas. Uh, so, shout out to John Stevens for uh, oh, the year after the he got fired. Kick. The sheet kick those motherfuckers <laughs> got after that must have been. Could you imagine? Yeah, it must have been. He's probably, and honestly, he's the assistant coach, right? So, he probably has more time for baking. Like he probably has to like worry about the power play and then also does baking on the side. So he's he's, he's making sheet cakes out the right. Yeah, he's he's the, he's the shit box. when it comes to, he's the shit when it comes to the sheet. That's what they that's what they say in Dallas. They've been saying that for years. <laughs> and then <laughs> You got me on that one. You got just me. <laughs> just uh, Andrew Cogliano and Blake Coma, they're like, Fuck, I can't wait to see what JS has cooking after this one. I mean it's gotta be it's gotta be a humdinger of a cake, so um, or maybe, they, yeah. Uh, anyway, Laner, uh, we already talked about the whole handshake deal. Uh, Laner Flurry. I think they should go with Laner. What feels like is going to happen. <laughs> what feels like it's going to happen. Is uh, <laughs> oh, Mark Andre Shakespeare. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's what they call him on the ice. That's what they call him in the locker room. Oh, Mark Andre Shakespeare's back. <laughs> Why don't you go make another Apple commercial, Mark Andre Shakespeare? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think it But I think they're probably just going to keep Flurry and uh, let Laner walk and let him go. I mean, if Laner's going to go to free agency, I think that'll be another person. I kind of uh, tell the Colorado Avalanche to go after. I don't. I, there's not really anything wrong with Grubauer. I guess I just. I don't know. Like, I feel like if the Avs sure up their goaltending or get a top-end goaltender, they win a cup without a doubt in, like, three years. There's really not a lot to not like about that team. 
Uh, and no, I think... I mean, God, I mean, yeah. McKinnon's going to win a heart at some point. And, yeah. and Makar's like that, probably going to win a Norris sometime in the near future, and, too. Huh? And that's forgetting about Rantanen, who's friggin' awesome, too. Rantanen's a monster. Landis Gogg's had some better seasons. Landis Gogg was hitting there while there where he was slowly regressing into, like, a middle six forward in terms of production and driving play. But I think his, he's been doing pretty well. I mean, he's been playing alongside McKinnon and Rantanen, too, which helps. But he... He's been better too recently, and I think all the depth they added was helpful. Like th- that's the thing about Dallas in this run is like I I like Dallas, but also they've had the ebbs and flows of their production has worked out perfectly for them. It's kind of like in 2017 when the Penguins got all the luck in the world, and then the one series where all that luck evened out for them was against the Senators. So like. They got unlucky against the Senators, but the Senators were so fucking bad it didn't matter, so they were able to push through that. And then they got rewarded in the finals by winning game one with, like, five goals and 12 shots. So that's how that worked out. But that's kind of what it feels like this year with the Stars, where they're known for not scoring and preventing goals. And then they scored, they won, like, the highest scoring series ever against the fucking Avs, and then they just closed down Vegas' defense. So, like, maybe the Stars had that peak outbreak of, unexpected scoring at the right time and that's going to propel them to a Stanley Cup win now but who if they face the Lightning man that series is literally just going to be can Kudobin make 50 saves a game like we know what the game script is going to be for that entire postseason series and the Stars have been winning it but usually when teams I, I don't know like they got kind of lucky against the Golden Knights too when it came to a couple of those games like like Joe, Joe Pavelski had that one goal where Nate Schmidt blocked the shot and it fluttered past Laner, and it was like their seventh shot in the game late in the second period to make it one to one, and that, that was that was kind of what the whole series felt like for the Stars against Golden Knights. So I I don't know if they can do that against the Lightning, uh, but they did do it against the Golden Knights, who are also pretty fucking stacked and talented. So uh, we'll see. Well, we if Kudobin see. pulls if Kudobin pulls it out, at least we know how he's celebrating. Yeah, living his best life, and I'm, I'm, I want to watch. I like. Hopefully, he just does it like over like, you know, Instagram Live or something, so I can live vicariously. Him just slamming home beers and being like crab legs and stuff. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to. I just want to get in on that aspect of it. It's just watch people drink beer, you know. Just live, live vicariously. <laughs> it's a it's tough slide. Tune in for the <laughs> tune in for Live Hyperbole, where Craig watches Steve drink beer on the webcam. Just like you drinking. A butt heavy enough. It's like, oh, look at that. Look at, oh, jeez, look at that. He's drinking beer right there. You see him drinking beer? I'm just going to, I'm going to fill up. I've got one of those giant, like, Oktoberfest uh, mugs that you get. Uh, and I'm just going to fill that damn. sucker up. And we're just going to record a podcast where Craig watches me drink a huge, that's actually going to be the 200th hyperbole, <laughs> is Craig watches me drink a giant beer, just like dripping down my beard. Like, it's, it's bad. Bad news. <laughs> You know what, like, and the word, it's like all the, anything you really want is what you can't, like, I had, I cut out added sugars the last couple of weeks, and let me tell you, don't, don't, if you never need to do that, like, if you have things to do throughout the day, don't do that, because you're, you're not going to make it. Like, I was, that was a fucking wild ride for, like, two weeks of just not, no sugar at it all, but that, uh, you know, I miss candy, you know, like, if you ever need to wake up, there's no way to wake up. Like if you don't sleep well, like you're just done skis for the day, because you can't have you can't have sugar, you can't have like uh, it's like coffee, and that's about it. But uh, you know when you're used to having three or four cups of coffee each day, kind of wears out. Doesn't really have the same effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, so. Let's talk about the comments, my Steve. Uh, so, I think... <laughs> it's either going, like, right now with the three teams we got left, and we're talking about the three. Pretending like the Islanders will come back. And also, the Islanders don't really have a clear-cut favorite, which is kind of crazy to say, but I'll get to that in a second. Um... Stars making a win. I think it's only between Miro Heiskanen and Anton Kadobin. And Miro Heiskanen's a real painful one to say, just because, again, I'm not going to fault Nolan Patrick for any of his injury stuff. Nobody could have seen all that shit happening. But it is really annoying that the, the one year the Flyers got quote unquote lucky and move up to the top two picks. The guys that went three or four and five were Miro Heiskanen, uh, Kale McCarr, and Elias Patterson. You know what I mean? Like that, that doesn't feel. It's not great. But yeah, uh, I try but not to Miro dwell Heis- on these things, but, and I'm healthier <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is you're healthier for it. And I'm living in a pit of despair. But Mira Hoskinen, uh, fourth most uh, points during this postseason with 22 points, most for a defenseman. He has five goals and 17 assists. He's 30, uh, 393, 40 at five on five is the most ice time for any skater in the 2020 postseason coming into tonight. Uh, he is the Dallas's top pair with Jamie Oleksiak, who we know. Jimmy Alexiak has a little bit better numbers than I, I used to drag him for when he was with the Penguins. Uh, but still, he's, you know, it's Jamie Alexiak. He's not really exactly a world beater. But they have a 19 and 12 goal differential, five on five, which is uh, like one of the better goal differentials for any pair or any skater uh, in the league at five on five. Uh, and Dallas has been outscored. And speaking of Dallas, and I, I'm not quite sure how they got here. At five on five, they've been outscored 40 to 39. Like, they've been outscored through three rounds in the round robin uh, at 5 on 5. With Heiskanen off the ice, they've been outscored 20 to 28. So, when he's on the ice, they are they're outscoring teams 19 to 12. When he's off the ice, they're getting outscored 20 to 28. So, he's kind of important. Yeah, like, he's kind of a big deal of what's going on there. Uh, and. I, I did enjoy, like, there was a, what was, I forget what the exact Tyler Sagan quote was, but somebody pointed out that they entered the cup with a negative goal differential, and then Tyler Sagan said something like, yeah, that's why you don't trust analytics here, and it was kind of funny, because they were talking about goals, and he was like, yeah, I don't trust analytics, it's like, well, it's goals, though, like, it's, it's the only thing you're playing for, so I don't know if that's really, like, a, <laughs> it's not really, like, an analytics thing, but yeah. Uh, so, Miro and Anton Kadobin are the two guys from the Stars. Victor Hedman and then one of Kucherov or Point. I would say Point are probably the favorites that Tampa gets through. Victor Hedman's having a fucking postseason. Uh, he has eight goals with his second most on the Lightning. Uh, Point has nine. And it's the most for a defenseman in this postseason. And I think he scored in, He scored this game, didn't he, too? He was the one that scored earlier this game, I think. If it wasn't this one, it was... I, it, regardless, like, he's the man. Like, yeah, he's I think one he of those guys that I'm just constantly envious of when I see him on on the lightning like god damn i wish we had victor Edmund. he yeah, is a uh, big guy uh, just yeah no he really is he's just a big guy that skates really well uh it seems like he o- is always in control when he's on the ice especially with the puck and like we're seeing now like we saw how much the flyer struggled scoring against the islanders and this guy is just able to kind of work his way into a shooting lane and drifted through traffic and is able to beat barlam off so he um and it was funny because i saw you know, it's the Islanders fans definitely don't care about John Tavares. You know, they absolutely do not care about him. But I saw a little excerpt from an article a couple of days ago where, like, an Islanders writer was gushing over Hedman, and then it all led back to, like, Tavares going, you know, 
first overall in 2009 and then him and going second. And I was like, oh, well, maybe if the Islanders chose the defenseman at the top instead of the forward, the trajectory of the franchise would have all been different. So, you know, somehow it's Tavares' fault that they chose him over Hedman back in 2009. Like, Islanders fans are adorable. Like, they just got to, look, he's not there anymore. Like, he chose to go to a better city with a lot more exciting things to do and a better outlook for the future. And I know you guys are in the Eastern Conference final now, but like... And he was a great player on a shitty team for years. Yeah. So, uh, get, uh, you know, just uh, get over it, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, Kucherov from Point, I think if I had to pick one of these two, uh, I put both of them here because they are two or three players with 25 points during this postseason. The other one is Nathan McKinnon, who had 25 and 15 and uh, isn't playing this round. But uh, Kucherov from Point... Yeah, both have 25 points so far. Point has team-leading nine goals and has 21 even-strength points, which also leads the league uh, in Point's the postseason. Been the he's been... I know I just called Hedman. The he's been Point's on been the Point. man, too. Like, oh, man, there we go. That's the yeah, stuff. Back in, no, Bra- Braden Point has... He's just been everything you want. Like, he's he's been ready for clutch time during this postseason. <laughs> but he really has. Like, he has shown no, no, for yes, every big occasion the lightning have needed him to to be there for i wouldn't be shocked if he scores the winner if this one goes to overtime tonight yeah and he uh he does a little bit of everything so he is like the game breaker type like i've been talking about all postseason like matt barzal would be the one choice for the Anders, or like uh, one of the cons my choices and he's the same type of way and we saw it during the flyer series where each time he got the puck he was the guy just walking around the zone nobody could really take the puck from him, and he waited for a passing and shooting lane to open up and he was the offense like he was the offensive plan when he was on the ice points the same way and he's but he can also be a real threat either with the puck or away from the puck and he just you can't really stop him and the fact they got him for that ridiculous contract is pretty annoying uh the other thing worth pointing out with him too is the uh the Lightning did lose games three and five, and Point has been battling through an injury, and he was out in those two games. So I, I think that kind of works towards the Consmith argument as well, especially if he's still dealing with it and they do make it to the Stanley Cup final and he misses a game there and they miss it. I think that works pretty well for him. Uh, but I think, like, if the Lightning keep playing the way they do and they do ultimately win it, I think it's got to go to Hedman because he's just been a, a fucking freak this postseason. Uh, and then for the Islanders... I mean, who cares? But Matt Barzal seems like the the <laughs> obvious choice. But, like, he he's not – like, Alien Pavilion and Brock Nelson have more goals, and Josh Bailey has more points, and it's kind of weird. It would be kind of weird Barzal's, I that. think, the flashiest of those guys, right? Like, he's Yeah, got, and he plays a ton. Like, he looks the best on replays. <laughs> Although, I think Pavilion's look phenomenal. No, Pavilion's been very good. Barzal, though, like, I, I think it's a thing, too. Like, he is – he might look flashy too, but I, I don't want to take anything. He's pretty fucking good. Like he is a big oh, part, especially in I, New York. As I mentioned in our our preview for the Islander series, like the one guy I would love from the Islanders on the Flyers, Barzal, uh, like all yeah, day, absolutely. every day. Yeah, but no, Bavillier. Yeah, Bavillier has been. He's going to be a real annoying. And also Everly. I know Islanders fans. It's funny. They're like they're, they've been burying Everly lately. I think because he hasn't produced, but the guy's been. I feel like I've noticed him every game. Like, I feel like he's getting quality chances every game. And he was scaring me against the Flyers, even though he never actually produced. But, like, I think game five or game six, he had the most amount of shots on goal and chances for the Islanders. So he, he's he been a thorn in the side uh, for the, the Lightning. And they did get the game winner in, in game five, double overtime. But uh, it will be interesting to see. the puck in the right direction. What? 
He's moving the puck in the right direction. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's getting the puck. Yeah, he's getting the puck on that. I, I was trying to think if that was like a another joke that went over my head. So, but now just uh, yeah, just hockey commentary. So there, I was you caught me off guard. My bad. Um, yeah, Matt. <laughs> just hockey commentary. That's all. <laughs> Matt Barzal, uh, his three forty zero zero time on ice at five and five is the most for uh, a forward in the entire league. So I guess that would be a big case, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to have to worry about the Islanders constantly watch. Hopefully, I don't have to eat those words. Like, I've eaten most words on these podcasts when it comes to a prediction. But, uh, yeah. There's, and... there's 9.03 left. It's a one-to-one game. And, yes, the Lightning are still out shooting the Islanders by a considerable amount. So, the, the Islanders will win this in double overtime. And then, we'll yeah. see. Maybe the Islanders That's hockey, baby. Paying, That's hockey. Maybe they're just paying tribute to the Flyers. And they'll mount this quote-unquote effort to come back where they get outshot like 50 to 17 and won in game six and then uh they just kind of forget that they have to play game seven they just like kind of think that the idea of forcing a game seven is to win and then they lose game seven five to nothing they have like nine shots on goal so maybe we'll see well it, it's all possible we'll find out i'm just glad we took a fascinating journey just now from from the cons of craig's life to the con smythe <laughs> that's right baby there's only one con and it's fucking gal Speaking of another thing that I should talk about, uh, <laughs> Craig's draft corner. <laughs> the segue, look, the segue work was not good. Tonight. You, you uh, could that's just, all, man. you could just leave it there, and I'll pick it up off the ground, dust it off, and say I got this. Okay, so Steve, think of a segue. I'm, I'm about to well, talk no, about we're it. We're here. We're we're in the draft corner. We've arrived. We're, about to go to the draft we're corner. on the corner. I'm playing my jug. Okay, CCR. Can, yeah. Yeah, it's Craig's draft corner. CCR slash Goo Goo Dolls, if you want to listen to a, a cover that you should never listen to, uh, Down on the Corner by the Goo Goo Dolls is a fucking terrible that song. awful. It's not good. It was back when the Goo Goo Dolls were an actual rock band. A little bit of Goo Goo Dolls history. GGD. Uh, yeah. Maybe I can slide some of this info uh, out to you. you know, but before you forget my name. Okay, so there's two Google Doll references. But anyway, uh, Craig's Draft Corner. Uh, Connor Zary is who I'm writing about. I don't know if I'm going to have the article out tomorrow, but starting next week, or I mean, I'll have a, the article out by Monday for that. And I was going to try and just start pumping out uh, names to know in the draft. So each article I did, I'll look at like five or six potential draft picks coming up in the 2020 draft since we'll have a couple weeks. And I would love to do what I'm doing with, like what I did with Connor Zary here and really focus in on how he produced all year long. And really talk about it, but I think if I go about it that way, I'm only going to get like six or seven players by the time of the draft, and I'm trying to look as many people as possible. So do a couple articles featuring like five to seven players a week, and then I'll talk about a few different names on here for the next couple weeks. You guys are going to hear about, I don't know, 40 to 50 different names for the draft. So we're going to start with Connor Zary, a center with the Kamloops Blazers in the WHL. An 18-year-old that was barely eligible for this draft. He was born on September 25th. The usual cutoff for a draft here is September 15th. So he's a bit of an older player. But to me, that doesn't matter because the guy likes to shoot and he likes to score. So uh, six foot, 181 pounds, 86 points this season, 38 of which were goals in 57 games to finish fifth in the WHL in scoring. Back-to-back seasons with 24 goals or more. He has the most goal. He has the seventh most goals in the WHL over the last two seasons. He has the most goals in the WHL over the last two seasons by a first-year draft-eligible skater. So some of the names that are ahead of him on the list are older players that haven't been drafted yet, and they could be eligible for these drafts. But 
overage scoring in junior leagues isn't quite as impressive as players that are the year before their draft year or of their draft year. So for him to be the highest producing goal scorer in the WH over the last two years is a noteworthy stat. So in the WHL, he's been the guy, the go-to guy for scoring. Um, he's got 200, he had 257 shots on goal this year, which is the fifth most in the WHL in 2019-20. Uh, and he proved the shots per game from 3.6 in 2018-19 to 4.5. And like I was saying, he just loves to shoot from anywhere. Uh, he get in pretty prime position to set up, uh, get set up by teammates for one-timers and to get wide open wrist shots. But he can also produce and create space by himself. And also, sometimes when he gets a puck, he just throws it from weird angles and just hoping for the best. And guess what? It works out pretty well for him. Uh, he, and if you read up on him or if you watch him, the big takeaway is he's a shoot first guy and he's a goal scorer. But I think it'll be unfair to him to just say he only scores goals because he had a bunch of really good assists this year with no look cross ice passes where he saw guys for dunks or just no look cross ice passes just in general. And tape-to-tape passes that really, um, like, just high-end passes that you wouldn't expect from a guy that's only labeled as a goal scorer. Um, And also, I think it was worth noting, too, that uh, got a bunch of goals in the power play. And the power play for Kamloops, they ran a play on the power play where they would toss a cross-lace pass from the right point to him on the left side and bank on him putting a pretty good shot on a moving goalie and having it go in. I think six or seven goals this year was just him getting the puck in the left circle on the power play and him just lining up a shot and putting it home. So that I think that says something to how good of a shot he has. Scores a lot, and uh, I think the only thing I'd be worried about his production is he has been playing a lot of season with two overagers named Zane Franklin and Orion Santazo, definitely real people, who have had monster seasons as well. I think Santazo finished like second in the uh, WH on scoring, or Ryan, or Zane Franklin did. One of these guys did, uh, and he was playing on the, with them on the power play on the top line, but it still felt like he was creating a lot of the opportunities by himself, and there are still plays he had this year where there were short, he had an incredible shorthanded goal where he just worked through the entire team and then backhanded uh, a puck shelf uh, as a goalie. So he can produce and shoot from everywhere. Also has very cocky celebrations, so I get a little bit of the uh, the Wade Allison vibe from him, uh, considering he's a goal scorer that likes to uh, just piss people off by celebrating. So that uh, that's a pretty fun thing for me. And it looks like he should be should be there for the Flyers. He would have to slide a little bit, it sounds like. Flyers have the 23rd overall pick. That was their highest pick in this draft. Pronman had him going 19th in his most uh, recent mock draft, which I think was in the middle of August. A lot of these mock drafts are in the middle of August. Um, draft site had him going 21st, and then the draft lad, draft analyst had him going 22nd. So he's going to be, he should be right there. And again, I, you know, I don't know how people feel about adding a center, but I think the Flyers need to add goal scorers into the system. Bobby Brink's a pretty good start, and I think Connor Zary would be a nice, a nice add here. I mean, centers can play wing, and it's it's about the versatility. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's just about the raw know, talent. Well, you got too many centers. You know how that is. You know what I mean? You know how like baseball teams have too many pitchers. You know that's that's definitely a logical argument. You know, like the the Flyers at one time they had too many centers, so that's a definitely a real thing that everybody should uh, buy into. So that's uh, that's my draft corner for this week, and uh, first one I've done in like three years. Uh, and like I said, I was gonna try and do. Uh, I'm gonna have this guy's profile out on Monday probably and then I'm going to start trying to with a combination of an article this pod and maybe my own pod for 
next couple of weeks for the uh, the draft coming up. Just try and get like a bunch of different names and get like ten or fifteen different names you guys will be hearing or reading about from now until the draft, so we can cover as many as much ground as possible. And hope my goal is to get multiple players to fire this draft. We actually talked about or I wrote about beforehand. So we can go back and talk about it more. So we'll have to wait to see if that happens. But Connor Zeri, uh, keep that name in mind. Again, I I'm a big fan of him, uh, and I'm going to try and find more guys like that that have the. Like, I feel like that's a pretty good telling stat, though. Most goals in the WHL over the last two years by a first-year draft-eligible guy. Like, guys that are projected to go in the first or second round here to have that title, I think, is pretty big. And again, uh, didn't look like there were manner falls in the skating. Has, like, an awkward skating style. I think he kind of skates like Brady Kachuk. I couldn't really put a, a finger on what he skates like, but was winning a lot of puck battles and was beating people in puck races, so... Uh, it wasn't really handicapping him too much, so I will. Uh, I'll take a. I'll take a flyer on Connor's area. Sure. Sure. All righty. Uh, okay, we got another segue, Steve. Coming up. This is back to you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I mean, I've been. I, my segue game has been. I mean, it's been absolutely terrible. You don't always have to do a segue, pal. You can just pick. You know, you can. Just I know, but like I. Time. I know, but like, God, I just. I'm worried about the fans, and I want to give them the best. Oh I know God. they're like segways. We get DMs. You know this is like an insanely long off-season podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, let's let's just the king is dead. Let's talk about Henrik Lundqvist leaving the New York Rangers. He's oh. done with the New York Rangers. Yeah, uh, this is according to uh, the next sport uh, out in the Czech Republic. Uh, Lieber Hayek, uh, the defenseman for the Rangers, uh, said after the uh, Rangers' final game, Lundqvist said it was his last game. So apparently during the interview, the question was, you were part of the Rangers during the playoffs, had the farewell of the legend Henrik Lundqvist go, and then uh, Hayek responded with, uh, it was very sad after the last match with Carolina. He said goodbye, saying it was his last match. He said he didn't know what would happen to him if the Rangers bought him out or went somewhere else. It was hard for him. He's a great fighter, the best hockey player in terms of approach, training, and humanity that I've ever met. I met. I even bought the same jeans he had to look like him. So he kind of went off the rails there uh, a bit towards the end of that quote, talking about uh, Lundqvist, the person, and also his fashion sense. But yeah, pretty much apparently Lundqvist has done uh, playing... a weird tangent right there. <laughs> yeah, just kind of just like slowly start delving into like his personal life. It's like, yeah... I also bought a guitar because I know he likes playing guitar every once in a while, and I don't know. I reached out to Joel. He seems like a pretty cool brother. Like, just starts all the, the shit. But... the Broadway hat that they wore in the locker room a few years back. You know, just had to have it. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Lundqvist, uh, now that I know he's not going to win the Rangers Stanley Cup, uh, he's a pretty good goalie, you know? Uh, and I think he deserved to win a cup. Uh, and, again, that's not really... I don't feel weird saying that, considering... Uh, God, the Islanders are definitely going to score, aren't they? Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, they're not, you know, whatever. I want to talk about, I think it's funny that Rangers, like, some Rangers fans actually did not not like Lundqvist, and they thought he was the reason why they didn't win. So not that you need proof that New York fans are dumb, but I'm going to give you some. Um, so he had 10 shutouts in both the 2007-08 uh, season, and then he also had 11 in 2010-11. So he had two different seasons where he had 10 or more shutouts. That, that stat alone is, you know what I mean? Like, that stat alone is fucking nuts. That just oh, yeah. back-to-back seasons, in eighth of the season, the Rangers just got a win because he was on his team. That is nuts. I mean, nuts. for years, for years from a Flyers fan perspective, it just, 
it there was a feeling of despair going up against Lundquist in a game. Like it felt like it would take a, a Herculean effort to beat Henrik Lundquist. Uh, yeah, when he was on, it, it was no fucking joke. And it was, I, I know there's a lot of despair going on against the Devils with Verdor and everything, but Lundquist, it was, it was Lundquist. Like he was the, you knew he was playing out of his mind. It wasn't the defensive system around him. When a goalie is moving side to side and robbing you left and right, and you're getting about 10 shots on the slot, and you can't break a one nothing deficit, it's really annoying. Uh, and that's what it felt like going against Lundqvist forever. And um, so those two seasons, both happened since the full season lockout. And since the full season lockout, there have only been seven 10 shutout seasons by any goalie. And Lundqvist has two of them. Um, Brodeur had 12 in 06-07. Fleury had 10 in 2014-15. Mika Kiprasov had 10 in 05-06. Steve Mason had 10 in 2008. In 2009, and then John Quick had 10 in 2011-12. Um, so that is a pretty I can't nuts. Can't believe stat. Steve Mason fell in there. I can't believe either. But his rookie season was pretty nuts. Uh, that Blue Jackets team. I, I mean, I don't even. Yeah, that that got swept in the first round. <laughs> but he had a pretty good regular season. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, but Longquist too, from 2006-07 to 2009-10, played in 70 games or more and had a 9-12 save percentage or better each year. He had a 9-12 save percentage once, but 70 games or more in save percentage of 9-16, 9-17, and 9-21. He had a season where he played seven, over 70 games with a 9-21 save percentage. How do you not win his fucking Stanley Cup with that guy? Like, that is nuts. That alone, that stat alone, is mind-blowing. And then six seasons where he played 50, 53 games or more and had a 9-20 save percentage or better. Won the best nine twenty eleven twelve with a thirty nine eighteen and five record, and a nine thirty save percentage, one point nine seven GAA, and eight shutouts. And then, of course, because this is a Flyers podcast, and also he is a former Ranger. Let's talk about twenty fourteen Stanley Cup final game because his reaction to Alec Martinez's game winning goal is still Alec Martinez's game winning goal is still one of my favorite reactions ever. Just, just face down on the ice. Knew he didn't want to be alive anymore. Just didn't want to think about getting up and talking to, to his teammates. And then his teammates come on the ice to try and console him. And he gives him the, the like the way of way. Like, no, no, you, you weren't here for me when I, we were playing. So you don't come comfort me now. So and then uh, that was, uh, it was beautiful. It was a real, uh, be it was a real a nice heartbreaker. Be a heartbreaker if he wasn't wearing the uniform of a team that thinks a logo is spelling out your name diagonally. <laughs> that old move, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, they really, you know, they, the Rangers are, you know, for being around for a while, they don't have like that same historic feel to them like the other original six do. I don't know. Like they haven't had a huge successful span and they don't have like a really cool, awesome logo. And also they play at a train station. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff to not like about. <laughs> Like a that. poorly lit train station. Uh, absolutely poorly lit. Like somehow worse than the Wells Fargo Center. Um, but yeah, you're right. There, to... there is there is like a certain feel to the the Red Wings, the Bruins, the Leafs, the Blackhawks that the Rangers they, uh, don't have. Yeah, and they all have had like they've all had eras where they've dominated the NHL. And like the Blackhawks, are Canadians. I mean, in... Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, the Blackhawks are probably second in terms of, like, sucking ass in a, as an original six franchise. But they still probably had the best logo in jersey in hockey. And also, they did just win three and five. So, like, they are 
Or three and six. So like they still had their era where they dominated. Um, that twenty fourteen Stanley Cup final though, uh, the work that Lundqvist put in that did not get helped out. Uh, game one loss in overtime, gave up three goals against. Game two double overtime loss, gave up five goals against. You know you gotta lose that game because you get five goals against. No goal support in game three, three zero loss. Game four a two to one win, so he got two goals. You know that was a win. Game five loss in double overtime, three goals against. Uh, that's that's pretty rough. Uh, so he gave up a grand total of 11, 12, uh, 15 goals in five games. And uh, yeah, that was it. That was, uh, that was curtains. So, Hamlet Lundqvist, uh, see you later, buddy. And then uh, Igor Shosturkin will fill in and give Rangers fans the luck they don't deserve. Eat Shosturkin, Lundqvist. The king is dead. <laughs> R.I.P. I drive! I drive! Uh, R.I.P.D. to Henrik Lundqvist's career. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Let's go around the league. That's right. Let's go around the league. Bill Armstrong is the new GM of the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, he was the director of amateur scouting with St. Louis since 2010-11 and was an assistant GM with the Blues the last two seasons. Uh, former Trent Titans head coach, BT Dubs. Uh, also up here update, uh, because he was in the running for Arizona Coyotes uh, GM. And I want to see, and again, we talked about this in the Slack, and I think he got dragged on Twitter a little bit for this. But, uh, Steve, I want to see if you see the flaw in the statement. Uh, Pierre said on TSN 690, the analytics community tries to intimidate you when you don't agree with their opinion, says there's no analytics equation for heart or having the courage to block a 100-mile-per-hour slap shot. I like to argue that there is a stat to see if somebody would block a shot, you know? I, I think there's one already out there. So that there would is, be, and there's even a, a stat to, to see how hard the shot was. Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, Pierre. You know, Doc, you know, Doc the, the analytic community, they try to intimidate you, Doc. They come after <laughs> you with their pocket protectors and their, their rulers and their, <laughs> their TI-83 calculators. And it's scary, Doc. Oh, scary. I want to analytics see... mafia. I just want... I just I I want I want him to be a GM so bad, so I can see a bunch of fucking trades for like the Jay Beagles and the Blake Comos and like the all the players you nobody wants, and Pierre puts like a second round pick for him, like I that's we need to see that, and we need to see one team hopefully not the Flyers, some other team in the NHL just get fucking dragged down by his horrible anti numbers approach. Like just it's it's fascinating. He's. God, somebody step up and do it. I mean, who should, take over the should be this? That would be, I mean, I mean, let's get into it. That'd be a wonderful GM high. I mean, Ray Shiro, you know, if uh, things don't turn around, they might be. Uh, Jim Rutherford's yeah. on his way out some point, right? He's going to retire at some point. Man, if you let Jim Rutherford trade away the other decent assets to waste the rest of Crosby and Malkin's career. By the way, getting older by the day. They were older than the last time I mentioned they were getting old. Uh, so like if you let them if you let him close out that window even quicker and then mcguire comes in to try and build the penguins back up pittsburgh's gonna it's gonna look like a early 2000 pittsburgh like they're gonna be it's gonna be a wasteland of talent or no talent and just a whole bunch of losses so i'm pretty pumped yeah so Pierre's probably gone there next by the way man on the wall andy green just took a four minute four minute penalty yeah i don't like this though because bavillier just took a double minor in game five and it worked out for the Islanders somehow. So we'll see if, if the Lightning don't close this out. I'm going to get a little nervous here. Uh, but other other around the league news. Jim Montgomery 
signs a two-year deal with the Blues as an assistant coach. Uh, that's I'm happy for him because that sounds like he was going through a lot of personal stuff earlier this year when Dallas let him go. Dallas, I, I think he was a big reason why Dallas was successful this season, and I think they're still utilizing his system to an extent. So um, I'm happy to see him back in the coaching uh, world. Uh, Manny Malhotra has joined the Leafs as an assistant coach. He was a Vancouver Canucks assistant coach for the last three seasons. Jeff Ward has now officially been named the Flames head coach. He had been the interim head coach for a while since the Bill Peters incident, or firing. Um, according to sources, the Panthers have part ways with Assistant coach Mike Kitchen, after an alleged, fit, alleged physical altercation with a Panthers player on the bench during the season. I didn't see too much about what the actual altercation was or who it was with, or maybe that's part of the point, is we'll never find out. But uh, I I wanted to point out, uh, Quinville probably not having too much in Florida, not having too much fun in uh, Florida now, because Dale Town's gone. And Kitchen was... Like, his go-to guy. Kitchen has been an assistant with Quinville for 14 seasons. And he went... He was an assistant with Quinville in St. Louis, Chicago, and then he came to Florida with Quinville. And now uh, the GM that he had success with in Chicago and the assistant coach he had in Chicago are both now gone. And he's just kind of down there with, uh, you know, uh, the most underrated player in the world and then a big goalie contract. So uh, good luck, Hugh. See how you do down there. Um, Florida has also hired Paul Fenton, uh, the Lizard King, and Rick Dudley uh, to their front office. The Lizard King was the GM of Minnesota for one year, as we all know. Dudley had been the uh, senior VP of Hockey Operations with Carolina for the last two seasons. Paul Fenton, yeah, Matt Zuccarello, I believe, was the player he was talking about when he said uh, he looks like a loser out there. And then, um, yeah, uh, Laner deal with the, yeah, we talked about the Laner deal already. Adam Cracknell signs a one-year deal with Edmonton for 700K. 35-year-old winger had 24 points in 52 games at the Coonlan Red Star in the KHL last year. Uh, Jacob De La Rose signed a deal with the Blues for one year, 700K. Had nine points in 50 games between the Red Wings and Blues last season. Sean Walker signed an extension uh, with the Kings for four years, 2.65 million a year. Undrafted right-handed defenseman had 24 points in 70 games in 2019-20. Aiden Hill stays in Arizona for one year, 800K. The goal is taken in the third round of the 2015 draft. Had 918 save percentage in 13 games this season. Uh, Brian Pinho stays with the Cavs for two years, 725K a year. 25-year-old Ford made his NHL debut with two games this postseason. Had 37 points, 20 of which were goals in 62 games with the Hershey Bears this season. And then last but not least, Yannick Duplessé, I believe is how you say uh, the young man's name. Uh, he is a 2019 pick of Drummondville in the QMJHL, and he should be with uh, Drummondville this season, uh, this QMJHL season, which is just getting underway. Uh, came out as gay earlier this week, um, and he came out to kind of make an attempt to make things easier for other players that may still be in the closet and kind of want to make the transition um of it being known a little bit smoother and um i mean just kind of make it so one day uh yannick duplice or players like this it isn't a newsworthy event that uh there's a gay player out there but it's just kind of become more accepted and common i guess so i think it's great that he came out and and doing this and i know it's not going to be an easy road for him uh, i did hear a bunch of his teammates came out and talked to him shortly after he uh, came out as, as being gay and they told him that they didn't view him any differently and accepted him and everything and i just hope you know like he is high school age uh and 
And there's a lot of amateur assholes in high school, as we all know. And he's gonna be he's gonna be going through a bunch of different towns in the QMJHL, and he's gonna hear and see stuff. And uh, it's it's hopefully gonna lead to better things for people that come after him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's I mean, great. Takes a lot him. of courage. That's, it takes a lot of courage. It's a it's a brave move and. I'm hoping, you know, hockey, we've talked about some of the issues with uh, with racism and, and homophobia on the show quite a bit. And oh, the yeah. fact that there are still a bunch of uh, cowardly pieces of shit out there that continue to be racist and homophobic towards these uh, these great people and need to cut their shit out. And we, as a hockey community, need to make sure that people can feel safe and accepted uh, no matter what you know, who they are, uh, playing hockey. And we're not, you know, as we've said repeatedly, we can do better and we will do better and great for him. I'm glad his teammates are supporting him. Hopefully everybody, you know, hopefully there aren't any incidents. I unfortunately don't have that much faith that there won't be, but it's a step in the right direction and we need to keep making strides in the right direction in this area. I, I think it's, yeah. Like, I think it's going to be, He's definitely going to hear stuff. I mean, because even now we still, you know, black athletes have been in pro sports forever and we still have the stupid shit. Like, I think it was Devontae Smith Pelly and like Hawks fans a couple years ago, like chanting basketball at him or whatever. So, like, stupid shit like that. It's going to happen from time to time. But I, I'm hoping for this guy's sake right now, it's not going to be a thing where every opposing arena he has to hear something to some extent. Because junior hockey, there's not as much light on it and shitty people can get away with shittier things as you hear about a lot more of the hazing stuff comes out and like junior coaches getting involved with that kind of shit so hopefully the people in drummondville have their head on their shoulders and hopefully this guy leads like i said like it's it's worth pointing out now and when i say i don't want this to be a story in a couple years i mean that in a sense of like like i hope it's just accepted and we, nobody even thinks twice about whether or not it matters what if a player straight or gay. I guess is what I'm getting at. So uh, again, this is a lot of courage by this guy, and I hope he doesn't have to go through hell. So just be himself. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. And hopefully, hockey can start being very inclusive of everybody. And that is uh, Stephen. That is around the league. I think that was yeah. That's a, a good note to end on. That is a good note to end on. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yeah, again, draft stuff. I'll have the Connors everything out uh, next week, and then I will be uh, – I'm just going to try it. Like two years ago, I did uh, getting the new names in the draft, and it was just articles where I talk about five or six guys at a time. I'm going to try and get a bunch of those out. I want to just talk about as many names as possible for the draft, and then – of course, when the Flyers draft these guys, will definitely I'll provide deeper, more in-depth articles. Like the one I'm probably doing for Connoisseur, I'm going to try and do for all the Flyers picks. So uh, it's just going to be a lot of draft stuff for a little bit of time here because that is the biggest thing related to the Flyers uh, coming up. All right, Craig, sports are bad. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Esteban, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Follow PSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Be sure to check out all of our great podcast offerings. That's all we got, and it's been quite a bit. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey.
Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! <laughs>